Okay, guys, it's Mike and TR here. Just before we start the episode, uh, we did ourselves a bit of an injustice. We went about two hours and 15 minutes before we brought up the live event we're doing this week. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be Saturday night at the rec room right here in St. John's. Yeah, basically, we want to get as many people out as we can. We want to make something of this. We want to start taking the show on the road. And this is our first live show. I think it'll be great. It's during Leafs camp. I'm not quite sure which guests we're going to have yet because the Leafs don't really have a schedule. I mean, I'd love to get an actual player. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't think they're allowed to talk to the media here at all. We're working on but some stuff. We're working on it. We'll definitely have an <laughs> alumni or something like that. And uh, either way, it's third man in. And, and this will be our first like live and interactive. So if you're there, maybe you can ask some questions live and get them answered right on the air. Hey, you might even end up in uh, one of the chairs with a mic. Who knows? But uh, come on out. Craziness is going to happen. I believe, and I, you know, a lot of these, uh, I did one of these with Biz last year in Toronto at the rec room up there, and it's my favorite, it's, you know, I do a lot of public speaking, um, I do a lot of uh, stand-up, um, I do a lot of these podcasts, but my favorite uh, things to do are the, like, podcast-type atmosphere in a place like the rec room, it kind of combines all of it, because mm-hmm. uh, stand-up can be... Uh, what's the word? You know, you, you're it's planned, so you know what's coming. And you don't it's really also know the a little crowd. bit isolated. It's isolated. Yeah. yeah, but with this, you know, we know that if you're coming to the show anyway, it's going to be a hockey show, so we're going to have some great topics. And uh, you know, a lot of the time, it just ends up taking questions from the crowd, and we're answering uh, the questions that you guys bring to us. And it's the most interactive environment for something like this. That I think that you can immerse yourself in. And plus, the rec room is a great venue anyway. I mean, if we're sucking, you don't think we're yeah. fucking. If don't. you think we're boring, just go over and play one of the awesome games, or order a great food, or order great food, or you know, have a beer, or whatever. There's a bubble hockey table that's close enough that you could actually probably hear us while playing bubble hockey, which is kind of the dream anyway, isn't it? Um, but it's at, uh, thanks to Puck Talks for inviting us to do this. We're really excited for it. And if you want to get your tickets, you can head to homestandsports.com. Uh, and RSVP there to this free event. It's Saturday, September 14th at the Rec Room in St. John's. We're going to start recording at 7 p.m. And we're going to go till about 10. And then they got music by DJ J-Bills coming, uh, coming up after us. So it's going to be a great night. Um, you know, listen to a podcast, go bowling, whatever you want to do. Sounds good. All right. And now here's the actual episode. Welcome to Third Man In, brought to you by Head Check Health. I'm Mike Hickey, joined by... Yes, Charles. Here. Uh, we've got a good one for you today. We've got a, a good buddy of Terry's, Donald McLean. We've already recorded our interview with him, and it is phenomenal. It's great. He's got some really great stories coming up through. Uh, he's known Terry for a long time, so they go way back and um, spend some time together on the St. John's Maple Leafs, along with a couple other stops along the way, and um, some good stuff there. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, he's uh, Daddy Mac, as I like to affectionately call him, has been a friend for a long time, and our friendship transcends sports. And uh, another good Atlantic Canadian, we've had a lot on here. Mm. Yeah, we've had some great ones, and and some great guys that um, have had just you know some incredible stories. And his his whole thing, uh, you'll hear him talk a little bit. He was uh, it was really interesting to get his perspective because he played for the Coyotes under Gretzky, which is a, a really kind of interesting. Good one coming there. Yeah, and and it's a perspective I haven't heard from. from have anyone. we had anybody on that led the American Hockey League in scoring? I don't think. No, um, I don't think so. It's pretty I don't unique. Think so it's you know? a, yeah, it's a yeah. unique stat. But it really is if you think about it. I, mean, I, 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 and I haven't. I mean, he's one of my 
best friends, and I never really absorbed that. But that, that's that's a big thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's had an accomplished career uh, outside of the NHL games. Now he could have fooled me from being. Uh, if, if you never mentioned off the hotbed for Nova Scotia, he could have fooled me as being one of the Prince Island, uh, Prince Edward Island guests we had, because his conversation, his demeanor, handles himself like one of the uh, PEI guests we've had. So you're in for a good one. Yeah, you, that's yeah, the yeah. that's the I standard just, for me. PEI guests, they're just code. Yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, just, uh, just you know, anytime, like you said, we get a, an Atlantic Canadian guy who's who spent some time traveling around uh, and hit all kinds of different leagues and has had different experiences, it's cool. So, um, it's great. Great athlete, too. We'll yeah. get into it, but I mean, like, he was the best pitcher. Um, we played, played a lot of minor league baseball against each other, and... Uh, we kind of joked, but Donald had junk like at 11, yeah. 12 years old. That's you talking about throwing like sidearm and knuckleballs and all. And, and the other thing, it's, we didn't get back to it, but we, I, it's at the beginning of the interview. We talk a little bit about minor baseball and him playing minor um, or like yeah. little league baseball and talking now about pitch counts. And it's just kind of blows my mind because and I wanted to ask you, I wanted mm -hmm. to kind of get back to it during the interview. So I'll ask you about it right now. And it's not kind of like spoiling anything for the listeners, yeah. but talking about pitch counts and talking about how much they limit kids and, and how much time they have to spend with days off and stuff like that. That being a new development, do you think that that's hurting players in any way? Do you think a, a kid not getting out and throwing, you know, reg, on the regular 50, 60 pitches in Little here's, League is, is hurting think. in any way? Here's what I think. Because there didn't used to be a pitch count rule, there was a lot of greedy, ignorant fucking coaches that wanted to win for themselves, and they did burn out people's arms. Mm -hmm. I think it's way now, it's, it's gone too far the other way. Yeah. But given the option and knowing that some, place, some, some coaches are greedy and are looking for their personal resume to be inflated, yeah. uh, I think it had to happen. Now, th the level of pitches, there, there's not a lot. I, I believe, like he said, you, you can pitch 24 actual pitches or less, and you're allowed to pitch the next day. Yeah. 24 pitches is not a lot, guys. That's like, like two, two, two at-bats. Yeah. yeah. That's so, an inning, right? Like, it, yeah. I think they're trying to limit kids to, like, Some an inning. Kids, well, it's like, but then how do you get back? I know it's it's an ongoing. I think maybe you could up the pitch count a little bit. I mean, Donald was the type that he'd do that, and then we'd go yeah. play, like, a scrap game, and he'd throw another 50 pitches. Yeah. Now, I'm I mean? the only like, one who thinks that maybe that probably doesn't help the psychological aspect of the game for a fucking kid because he's probably getting up to the mound going, Jesus Christ, I only got 24 of these. I got to make them fucking count. Yeah. If not, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I only got 24 of these fucking things. I got to make them count. I can't. That's the one thing I took away from that. And uh, I'm far from a pitcher, but uh, when you put a cap on what you've got to work with, and you, of course, you want to succeed as a pitcher. I mean, Bo Bichette had a 13 pitch at bat the other day. Like, he <laughs> let off the game with a 13 pitch yeah, at you bat. You're telling me you can't throw that many. I don't care how old you are. Yeah. But. But the again, again, do I agree with the rule? Because of because of the greed of a lot of coaches and yeah. the idiocy. So it, yeah, a lot of people are coaching and they don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, right. Minor baseball, minor hockey, every sport has it. I mean, um, every sport. Uh, I'll include soccer. You know, whatever it might be. A lot of people are volunteering, and it's tough to get people that actually know a lot about the game. And when they, you know, they want to win, and they they get caught up in it, and they don't realize these kids are you know, growing and developing. But it, you asked, Donald's a good example. So Donald is, a, like me, like, well, I don't know, what did he peak out? What is he, he's probably 6'1 or 6'2 now. I don't know, 200 pounds. But when he was um, younger, uh, he, he was a big guy. So he would, you know, in relativity to everybody else, he was even bigger. So 
he could handle more pitches mm-hmm. than a lot of other. I mean, Donald was throwing knuckleballs in because he was bored. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he never threw his arm out because his father knew what he was doing. Yeah. was a great athlete, uh, you know, ex-athlete himself. And, you know, he handled the situation right. But too often, I know a lot around here throughout the room, yeah. if you, you know, if a kid's out there and he's your best pitcher or she, um, you know, a lot of times co- co- coaches will have him in there for, Two or three games in a in a, a two-day yeah. tournament, and that will fuck up your arm, right? Yeah. And then, you know, when when, when you're, de- it's not always. I often said in baseball too, it's not always the amount of pitches though, it's what you're throwing. Yeah. If you throw a curveball, it puts way more stress on your arm than throwing a regular fastball. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. So, like, if you're throwing twenty of those twenty-four curveballs, you know, you're also looking at, you know, the whole snapping of the wrist and you know that hurts your arm in another way some people it's their rotator cuff some people it's their tricep but you're growing so to throw those now a knuckleball is easier yeah as a rule okay as a rule and then if you want to talk like sliders and things then it's even even more wear and tear so you know it's often it's hard to sum up by a just similar just a pitch count Mm -hmm. um it's what you're throwing it's when you're throwing it and that's the other thing you know if you if you put someone in and like a in a game that against maybe another first place team that you might see down the down mm-hmm. the road, you got to figure. Okay, wait. This guy needs or girl needs okay forty pitches. They are not allowed to pitch tomorrow. So we go beyond the twenty four. Give them their forty. Then they can't pitch tomorrow, but they might be able to come back Sunday if we get there. And if we don't make the semifinal, yeah. you start doing all this math. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's unnecessary. You just need a coach that's not a fucking buffoon. But because <laughs> because there's so many buffoons, we had to come yeah. up with the rule. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, when I was playing, um, it was also that thing of, the, you know, you, you don't know. Sometimes it might be a case of, like, you might have a good pitcher on your team that you don't know about. It might be a kid who just, like, doesn't always play, doesn't always want to pitch or whatever, but when you've got to start utilizing more kids and you're going through and, and a kid gets in a different position than they normally would play, sometimes you might find someone that, like, you know, who not, you got a kid who doesn't have, like, the strongest arm, so you don't put him in as a pitcher, but then when he gets there, he can make the ball dance, and you're just like, holy shit, like, if we had let that kid throw his 25 pitches, then we wouldn't have known, you know? Uh, so True it's kind of interesting. No, it's, it's a great question. You know. I just think if there was coaches that had, uh, I, I think it's a problem that's easily dealt with if you had a good coach, but unfortunately not, they're, they're not all and they'll throw out a kid's arm, you know, the buffoons are ruining it for us again. I mean, they always are. And I mean, it's, but it's the same thing with hockey too. I uh, like, you know, with sometimes you just get a kid that gets put out. And See, baseball it being, it's, it's like, I, I would compare it to football being a quarterback like, yeah. because there's not a whole lot in hockey that you're going to hurt a guy or girl by giving them too much time. Yeah. But it is something like baseball is one of those, you know, it, it, it is, it is possible. And you ask any pitcher at any age, if they throw a full game, their, their arm is sore the next day. Oh yeah. Fuck it. Imagine. So like I said, Donald though, like in that Bantam tourney, he pitched both full games. He put the opener and then the championship. And the thing about daddy, like he was, um, <laughs> He I laugh really, every time you call yeah, him Daddy, Daddy Mac. I call him, yeah. No, but just when you, every now and yeah, then you, you just do Daddy. Mac, you yeah. just Sometimes the, you just call him Daddy. So there's a few and times, kinda, in, yeah, yeah. There's a few times in that interview. You're like, so Daddy, tell me. And I'm like, oh, oh I love it. Yeah. <laughs> senior, senior came up with that, if you can believe it. And way before he was in the basement, it was way back when. Um, oh. But yeah, but his giveaway, Daddy's giveaway was that when he went to throw the curveball, he did throw it sidearm. Yeah. So for like a fraction of a second, you you knew what was coming, but yeah. he would just blow it by you. He was honestly one of the best athletes that I 
definitely the best outside the province that I came up with. And like I said, in Mount Pearl was similar to Bedford and we would have to meet at the Atlantics, but we won a lot of our provincial championships and so did they. So I'd often meet him in these sports. Yeah. And there wasn't any better overall athlete in Atlantic Canada. Um, He was one of the best uh, hockey players for sure and bar none baseball. That's great. That's a great point to uh, throw to the interview, I think. I think uh, I think so. I think it, now at that point it would be a good well, time to, to. Okay, fair enough. I was just going to say throw to the interview now, and then we can talk about yeah, some other can, stuff after as, a, sure. as an outro. If, if, if that's cool. Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's uh, let's do that. So here uh, we'll have a word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back and we'll have uh, Donald Daddy Mac McLean uh, on the line with us. So just hang tight. Concussions are serious. Whether you're a concerned parent, a coach, a risk manager, an executive, even a player. They're a major area for concern. HeadCheck Health has developed software and services that improve the way concussions are assessed, tracked, and managed at all levels of sport. Their goal is to create a safer environment of play by giving better tools to the people responsible for documenting and assessing concussions, as well as providing better data to administrators to make real health and safety improvements. HeadCheck currently works with the Canadian Junior Hockey League, BC Hockey, Rugby Ontario, the Western Lacrosse Association, and more to advance concussion management practices. If you're interested in learning more on how HeadCheck can help your team or organization, please visit headcheckhealth.com or email info at headcheckhealth.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it gives me great pleasure to welcome on to Third Man In this week my longtime buddy and former Bedford Blue, Beauport Harfang, Laval Teton, Hull Olympic, LA King, Fredericton Canadian, Grand Rapids Griffin, Springfield Falcon, Lowell Lock Monster, St. John's Maple Leaf, Toronto Maple Leaf, Syracuse Crunch, Detroit Red Wings, San Antonio Rampager, Phoenix Coyote, and veteran of the Austrian, Danish, Swedish, Finnish Elite Leagues. Am I missing anything there? My buddy, Donald Daddy Mac McLean. Daddy Mac, am I missing anything there? God knows. God knows. Maybe the suitcase. <laughs> I, yeah. Maybe the suitcase. I, I think, I think there was a stop with the Blue Jackets because I was following oh, yes, along. I forgot the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. There was. There was a stint. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Is it that long? Quite a big get. <laughs> and uh, was, yeah, the last team, Zagrev, Medvizak, that's Austrian League, but was it in the KHL? Well, it was what they what they called it was when they're in the Austrian league. They called it KHL, but it was more uh, club to hockey league. But I coach. I played in the Austrian league, coached two years, assistant coach, and then uh, they went into the uh, KHL. They did go into the Russian league for one year. Well, they were there for four years by a coach, assistant coach for one year. And you're but, uh, right now. Um, before we start from the beginning, you're, you're, what are you doing now in, in uh, Bedford, Nova Scotia, your hometown? I'm actually, it's funny, I'm literally sitting in my old bedroom, just like just like your basement. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I've, I've come full circle, I've come full circle, I've moved back to my roots, and, uh, <laughs> and my, s- my, son, my son's uh, playing hockey in Bedford now, where I grew up, and Played against you many times over the years, but uh, I've gotten out of hockey and I've started. My wife and I started not for profit, and long story short, we've made a move over the summer to come back to Bedford. That is beautiful. Um, so, for those who don't know, I'll get into my history with Donald. Um, I call him Daddy Mac. So I yeah, I'm, not, up, I'm not going to call him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, I think senior came will, up with will, that. Will he make you, <laughs> but the question is, is will he make you jump, jump? Uh, he, he certainly will. I don't know where it started. I think senior started that. D- Daddy Mac is a longtime veteran of the basement. Oh, I can, I can imagine. I'm just, uh, I, I just wanted to get one crisscross reference uh, in at some point. Of course. <laughs> um, when we were so, Bedford is a lot like Mount Pearl in that it borders a bigger city in Atlantic Canada. Um, not borders, but it's close. Uh, Bedford yep. is just outside Halifax, whereas Mount Pearl is just outside St. John's. Yep. Donald grew up, the Bedford group that he grew up with, much like my group in Mount Pearl, we were very athletic, so we, we were overrepresented in my years in sports for the community. We would win all Newfoundlands in baseball and in hockey, and they were doing the same, even though St. John's yep. was a bigger center and so was Halifax. You know, you'd, uh, you'd often beat the teams from there. Uh, enough that... The other thing, when you win a provincial, at most of the time, and still happens today, you go to an Atlantic championship in most sports. So it was commonplace for Mount Pearl to win and Bedford to win in baseball and hockey. So by the time I was 13 or 14, I'd already played lots of tournaments against Daddy Mac. Uh, and in baseball, uh, Daddy Mac, you were a great pitcher, a good player all around. But I remember the, like my first experience with Donald McLean, he was... You know, back in the day when you were playing Pee Wee, they called it Beaver then. Uh, yeah, baseball. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you were like me. You were fairly big for your age. And the, the yeah. mound was still in close. So you were like whistling. You know, you're one of those guys <laughs> that you get up to bat. It's really hard to catch up with it because he was he grew early. And, um, and I, I mean, I, I would pitch for that only reason. I didn't have any junk. I didn't have anything else. I was just bigger than everybody else. So I would pitch once in a while. Um, you know, and try to blow it by people. But you are actually, I remember seeing the curveball at like 12 years old from Dabbling Daddy Mac. Oh, I had the sidearm curveball, the overhand curveball. Oh, geez, I, I was throwing stuff. There's probably a reason now today they have a pitch count on pitchers now. 100%. 100%. You were throwing knucklers, everything. I remember oh, not knowing. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's very throwing, every other, it's throwing every other night. If it was Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, Tournament well, again. Oh, it was just... Oh, in, yeah. in, one of your arms is now longer than the other permanently. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seriously is. Because of that, though, that's a reason that they have pitch count now in, in base, baseball. I'm not saying it's the Donald McLean rule, but because of <laughs> no, things no. like that. Like in the Bantam, um, the last time I would have faced you was in Bedford. You guys hosted the Atlantics. And you Correct. were... You, you were Cracker Jack Cup, I believe. The Cracker Jack Cup, before we both left to go on our hockey... <laughs> careers yep. one would, which one yep. would take me out west and you to quebec and um I, I remember that and i remember opening up against you guys and you pitched that game and then you pitched again in the final i don't know if you pitched in between but all the only pitcher we saw that turning we played two games was was daddy Mac, <laughs> and, like, and that would never be allowed now and now i think you're in there for like like 30 no, well, my, my, my son is mosquito which is below beaver and they just, we won provincials for our age group, Mosquito A. And they have 24 pitches and under. You can pitch the next day. Okay. 40 and under, one day's rest. I think it's 55, three days rest. And above that, you got a five-day rest. Like, it's really, and they watch it like a hawk, too. It's not like whatever the coach, coach wanted to throw somebody out there, they did it. Now they watch pretty close. 60 pitches done for the summer. That's it. Go home. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have you take but, you out by but, the, but what sticks out, like, to throw a story back at you, I'll never forget. I think one of the first times I really saw you stick out, I think we're, was it either, 
I think it was Atlantic. I don't know if it was Hostess, Cup, or it was Atlantic and Pee Wee in Moncton, I think it was. Is that Adam or Pee Wee? Uh, we played against you in both. It's, I think it was Pee Wee, though, the one you're talking about. And I just remember, like, you were just a mutant back then, taking <laughs> slap shots from the red line. Like, I, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, my God. You know what? You know what? That might have been in Fredericton. The um, I played against you in Moncton, Freddie, and there was like an Invitational Coal Harbor tournament. I think it was called. But um, but it was, it was in New Brunswick. I just can't this, remember. This Moncton. One, it could have been Fredericton. It, I can't remember. But well, it, that, it, the Atlantic Coast is Cup. So to to elaborate on what I was saying earlier, guys. So the bit the best of all this was was when you'd meet the the hockey teams, right? Because again, even though we played the other sports, hockey was my passion and. Again, much like me, Donald would lead his team in Bedford, but I had a growth spurt that one particular year. I was on, like, I went to almost my size now. I was like 185 or 190. Even in the program, if you look at it, I got it at home. And I'd come in and take clappers, like, shit, like, from, like, yeah, he's not kidding, from the red line. From oh. I was just winding up in some of these goalies. I mean, especially, you know, the Atlantics tend to be, smaller places as opposed to the rest of the Canada. I mean, yeah. I remember going to Toronto and it was still like, it was, I was still big and good for, for like Toronto. So being around, around St. John's, that's, I mean, we made it all, we made it out of St. John's um, largely. I'm not going to say we didn't have a lot of competition. It wasn't just me. We had Craig Hodge and Gary Clark and geez, we had a couple of great goalies just like yourselves. You had you and Kyle Schmeiser, I remember, and Brian Surrett. Yeah, you guys were yeah. pretty yeah. good. And I remember we could score. You, you guys beat us nine to seven. And I was That's pissed exactly off. That's exactly right. That is yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I was pissed off. Yep. I got the uh, I got the top score of the tournament, but uh, yeah, I, I got I got nothing because Sret got Kyle was yeah sportsman like of the tournament. He did, and Sret got top forward, I think, and then you were or something like that. I, yeah, something. I think I was MVP and top scorer. But I mean, I the, the thing is, yeah. I, I'll often. I'm proud of those years, but like, there was no hitting either in Pee Wee, so it was hard to contain a big guy with a big shot. You know, they, you'd almost they, they, the defense would almost just have to back up into the goalie and not come at you. I, cause I think you couldn't hit anybody, right? No, so no, if, no, no. If no, you no, got no. a big guy, not and then they man. were all over. Remember Lester Letourneau, uh, Dartmouth. Oh, geez, uh, I remember that name? Yeah, yeah. I do. Remember yeah, and, and, and yep. uh, oh God, Tyler. Fuck, Tyler Lowe. He's Tyler here. Lowe. Tyler Lowe. Right. Jamie Stars in, yeah, in Cole Harbor. It was often. Exactly. Uh, it was often. You know, the guys that grew a little bit. Now, you had to be athletic, but I just remember those guys, uh, you know, going to those tournaments. And, you know, yep. you were excited to play them because most of the year you're playing only Nova Scotia or only Newfoundland or, um, you know, what have you. But uh, those and, are my and there's also And there's also, back then, there's a little more emphasis on winning than today. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed. <laughs> well, I noticed my, my daughter plays uh, under 10 soccer and they still don't keep score. Um, so that, that, even do though it's though? under 10, do you though, are you like, well, there? Are, you there? Does. are you there yeah. on the sidelines? Just like ticking nah, them off? I'm not one like... of those. I hope she does well. If yeah. she doesn't work hard and I, you know, I, 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 I'm not a crazy parent, but I'm watching the game. I can see, <laughs> yeah. see it unfold. I played soccer and, you know, she, so, you know, I'll just give her little tips, not while the game is going on or anything though. And, you know, I, it's nothing to me. It just kind of rules out having a provincial championship. Like she'll have invitational tournaments. It's yeah. not even real. Hey, to each their own. 
I don't. But what what ends up happening exactly what I said years ago would end up happening. They keep score themselves anyway. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You come off oh. and you want. Well, it was it was five yeah. to three for us, Dad, and I had the winner. And, yeah. You know, so it ends up working. Human beings yeah. are going to be competitive, whatever it's going to be. I right. do know senior counts the apples because your Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah, senior. She 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 loves. Uh, she's got a good boot on her daddy Max. So like she. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So she she likes making the move and cranking it, and Dad will yeah. give her. Uh, you know, so that all the all stars play house league and stuff. So when she gets in the house league game, sometimes same thing. Like if she gets open, she could score like eight or ten goals the odd day. So like senior will give her rewards for assists, which I laugh at. But it's, um, <laughs> Especially because it's senior, and it's like <laughs> we saw his pee wee trophy thing. That's like a hundred goals and ninety seven goals. Dad's got a pee wee trophy. Ninety seven goals and eight assists in fourteen games. <laughs> Oh, oh, Cy Young. Yeah, yeah, Cy Young. Oh, and by yeah. the way, getting into Cy Young, because you are what there's not many players. And for those listeners that don't know what I mean, Cy Young is someone that gets more goals than assists. Um, and it's really not many. And we'll get into that, Daddy Mac. You did it a couple times, though, on some big seasons. But before yeah. we all start, before, before we get up there, and as we start, um, I'm going to go in. So I made the decision at that age that, you know, because we were virtually not only were Danny and I like so similar in like placement on the team and within the within the province of, you know, being one of the better players and being from a place like Bedford, which is like almost a sister city for Mount Pearl. Really, really similar uh, in mm-hmm. so many more ways, not just population, but, you know, the family or, you know, the the, the proximity to a bigger city, the Atlantic Canadianness of it all. Um, and I chose the Western Hockey League, only for out of circumstance. We went to the Quebec Pee Wee Tournament, and, you know, to make a really long story short, there was representatives there that ended up being with the Tri-City Americans, and I made a decision, and I went out. Donald went to the Quebec League, went to Beauport to start off, and before I get ask anything, one of my idols from that time, because I used to watch. I mean, I it was on my radar to go to the queue. It was impossible not to be. Um, well, like Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, well, Atlantic Canada, and at that time, you could opt into any league you chose. Yes, like, yes. In my year, because the Mooseheads were, were in 95, okay. we were the last ones, well, until they had the Fog Devils, that Nova Scotia could go anywhere else up until 95. Okay, because a lot of guys went to the OHL. Yes, like John Sim, he, he took off there, and he started in yeah. the Valley, and he went over to Sarnia, had a successful career, and... Uh, Glenn Murray and guys like that. A lot, a lot of players went to the uh, to the O. A lot of players went to the O. Uh, our buddy yeah. David Lang. Linger was a guest on here, yeah. by the way, uh, earlier. Um, so you go to Beauport. Now, the first question I got to ask you, how was it that early playing with Eric Daze? I remember thinking he was just unbelievable, Danny Mac. Like, I remember watching him the odd game, like Q Exhibition or whatever. Like, he was on my radar. And he shot left. He was a big guy, bigger than me. But I just thought that guy was a magician. How was he in junior? He was like he was like watching you and Pee Wee. He was just, like you said, big, big man. He could move. Uh, obviously, he played in the top line because that year Joe Canale, our coach, was coaching World Juniors. Okay, he was, he was your coach. Juniors. I didn't realize that. Okay, keep going. And uh, that would have been my first year as a seventeen-year-old. And Dazey was obviously in the first line, played a lot, and he played with some some good players. And it was it was great to be able to have front row seat. Just be able to watch him play. What he's able to do, control the puck, and I wouldn't say score when he wanted to, but well, yeah, he was a power. Yeah. He was a power forward that you go to net, and then he had a lot of success early on in Chicago when he when he made the transition. But he had to get the back injuries. 
And I often talk about the Q having the, the Western League was almost anything goes. Like every player on every team like fought here or there. Like it was there wasn't such a separation. I remember the Q at the time having some tough guys and one guy I ended up running into in pro. And I'm looking at the numbers now, Daddy Mac. You know, again, so a lot of guys on your team don't have 100 penalty minutes, and then all of a sudden you got Patrick Cote with 314, right? I mean, was he throwing every game? Oh, we we probably in the Quebec League. Ian McIntyre too. Jesus, yeah. You if we didn't have the toughest team, we were we were up there. We had Ian McIntyre, Joel Joel Cario. I'm sure you've seen his name around. Oh yeah, I fought him in social Portland. media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, fuck, Patrick I didn't Cote, see that. Yeah. Ian McIntyre, he was a tornado. He could play, but he could also throw him. Um, oh, God. Johnny Eric Montreux. Yeah, Eric Montreux. Is Louis, then Louis Bedard, Louis, Louis Bedard for a bit. Like, so that must we be. Had, we had a tough team, so he didn't have to worry about fighting. No, no, that was great. And you were, you know, that, Daddy Mac, the, the way I know you, you often would say you weren't. You weren't a wuss. You'd go in the corner. You had to, You just weren't a great fighter, so you didn't do it. It would have been a stupid move, you know, especially when we were... I, I, just, I just... I wish I was tougher and look back on it, but no, fighting wasn't my cup of tea. I I didn't go looking for it. I didn't... It just wasn't my thing, and I had had a few over my career. I've won some, lost some, and one punch. Hey, you'd give you a know, guy so. a stick, though. You, you weren't... There's a difference I've often said between not fighting and not being tough. Like you, as a goal scorer, and, and Daddy Max blade on his stick is—I I don't know if you always went with it, but when I played with you after that, and and, and we're we're getting to that, because um, in, in the first couple of years in the AHL, we both played on—we uh, played in Fredericton and St. John's. I'll get to that in a minute. But Daddy Mac had this huge fucking stick. One year, <laughs> led, one year led the AHL in goals, right? When you were with Grand Rapids, I uh, correct, yeah. 50, yeah. I scored 53 goals and 56 games. And yep. so, yeah, and I've often, I've wondered, and I'll start here. So you you, you go to Laval from there, then Hull. Uh, and in Hull, didn't you guys host, or, or was were you hosting the Memorial Cup, or did you go to the Memorial Cup? Remember you had a great team. Jose Theodore, who I ended up being a prospect with in Montreal, was on Daddy Mac's team in Hull. So I would go and watch their games once in a while, right? I'd just fly into Montreal, like, after they drafted me. Hey, Terry, how you doing? go see the doc, make sure everything's cool, and I'd go down to Hull and watch some games. And, you know, first of all, how did you like your experience in Hull? I don't even know how you guys, if you went, but you had a great team. Okay. Oh, we had, we, like, it was, yeah, it, well, we won everything, and we okay. went 16-0 in the playoffs, and then we, we, we have the largest, um, we're on the wrong side of it, but I believe, I haven't Googled it in a while, but I believe we have, we are on the wrong side of the largest comeback in Memorial Cup history. We were beating Leftbridge 6-1 in round robin. Oh, my God. Chris, Chris Phillips would have been the main guy there, Kirby Law. I, I lost. Uh, That's who beat us out. That team beat us yeah. out in six games when I was with the Red Deer Rebels. That would have been 96-97. They had Dale Perrington, too. Yep. The madman. Dale, per Dale Perrington and Warrell fought in the round robin. Wow. But we were winning 6-1 starting the third period. We lost 7-6 in overtime. Ouch. I remember watching we, that. That's in, that's incredible. But we had a uh, we had a rocket team. We had a well built. Claude Julien was the head coach. They had a great plan right from the start of the season. We had two rocket lines: a third line of PK role players and a fourth line of hungry young guys. And every everybody's bought into the role. Fucking so Pavel was, Rosa with 152 points. Oh fuck! He shot him everywhere. Oh, Peter. Him and Mark. Him and Mark. Mark Damonard and him probably had. 120 goals between the two of them. 
No, and Worrell had probably 35 just by going to the net and coming off, going off shin pads. Uh, I'm looking at Pete Worrell with 495 Worrell pe- with 495 penalty minutes. That's what I mean. They would have those guys, though. Like, there was the queue. At the time, you see, it had a reputation for, like, not being tough, but that's the wrong that's the wrong connotation. Um, it, it just wasn't, like, team tough in a sense of, again, on my team in Tri-City, I could give you, like, 15 guys that would at least have five fights by the end of the year. I don't know if you'd necessarily. It was just the nature of the league. Um, there yep. was, there was, it was just the whole league. There was, it was more of a fighting culture. Um, but yep. these guys in the queue arguably had the like toughest one up, like tough guys. Like I remember Peter Worrell. I don't know if you were there and Freddie. Like I, I asked him to go and he just one punch. But I mean, I couldn't even get close to his face. I was trying to go and I was, I was like coming within a foot and he put not many people one punch me. That's out there somewhere on YouTube, and uh, yeah, he did. But I mean, that—that's it. You guys had all kinds of like, and not only that, like a guy like Ryan Lozon, like you know, he was a great tough two-way player. That I don't know if you'd say tough because he didn't fight much, but you know, you had Johnny Delille, God rest his soul. We ended up playing with. Oh, geez, I, I yeah, I played with him three years in a row. Half a year when I got traded the Hall, full year in Hall, won the Cup, and then when I came with you guys down in Freddie that first year. Well, oh, yeah, I know. I, Johnny was a good guy. Johnny was. So I'll tell people, you, you guys, so you know what happens to Johnny De- DeLille? Like, we played with him. He's actually got one NHL game, and that one NHL game, um, I was I was up there, and I had my wisdom teeth coming in, and I couldn't play. So uh, they called up Johnny, and thank God he got his game in because Johnny passed away a few years ago. Uh, or Johnny DeLille, Johnny. Uh, yeah. Johnny was on his way to a senior hockey game in St. George's, and got in an accident at a, at, a, at a stoplight. So, like, the other three guys got out of the car, you know, and Johnny was kind of hemmed in the car, so they just called the jar, Jaws of Life to come get him. But as they were yeah. doing, the, the car burst into flames, and they literally watched oh. him. Oh, oh, man. I know, terrible. terrible as he was trying to get out. And this guy was one of the nicest. He was just he was. so happy yeah. to be playing pro hockey, um, yeah. you, you know, and he'd always have his hair slicked back, and, hey, Terry, where are we going tonight? Like, he, he was just great. He was the a, a typical... Canadian slash Italian Rico Suave kind of looking, <laughs> you know, like I, I, when I say pretty boy, I don't mean that in, in a bad way. I, I mean it. He just no. loved life. He was exuded confidence, a great person. Um, he, was, he was. Yeah. One of the good ones. Yep. He yep. was one of the good ones. And now I often yep. look back at, it's great that we got to play with him for, I played with him for a few years too, uh, because you know, you can't dwell on the morbidness of it, I guess. Hey, we had a, we had a good group here. Right? We had a good group, a good mixture of guys every morning, storytelling, and it was a good mixture. So you come out, Daddy Mac. This is when it starts for me. I, I couldn't believe it because we get drafted. And Daddy Mac, by the way, if I haven't mentioned it, exact same birth date as me, January 14th, 77. Mm-hmm. So we've also got that in common. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were out yeah. at the end. We were both big prospects. So at the draft in 95, I go in the first round. Daddy Mac goes in the second, you know, and um, all this emphasis all the time on first round. But, you know, 33rd in the world is not a bad place to go. But you cracked the NHL. Right off the hop. So 97, 98, and we were all paying mm-hmm. attention because for whatever reason, this one year, unlike any other year, Montreal decided to pair with the Los Angeles Kings for minor league affiliation. Mm-hmm. So the Fredericton Canadians, half of the Fredericton Canadians were us, yep. uh, Montreal prospects, and the other half were LA Kings prospects. Yeah. Looking back, I don't know how or why the Kings did that. It's a long um, fucking flight from Fredericton well, to L.A. And for not a only that, up. 
We're, first of all, our moniker is the Fredericton Canadians. Yeah. Everybody in Oregon, the Kings didn't have one person, like no coach, no assistant coach, no anything. It was all run by us. All our yep. scouts came down. Um, if, you uh, you if, wore the Habs uniforms. Yeah, we wore like, the Habs uniforms. Even, it, it wasn't even like now where like oftentimes it's like yeah. like the Growlers don't look like anything involved with the other than one yeah. game that they're going to do this year. Don't look like anything with the Leafs. But like this was the look of the thing yeah. was, you know. And so, and, I, and I'll get into it. First of all, first of all, before I elaborate on that, because I am going somewhere with that, you go in the NHL, 22 games, five goals to assist. That's on pace for 20. That's not on, on pace for 20 goals as a 19, 20-year-old. I always I'll be, wondered. I'll be, one, I'll be one better. I'll be one better. Yeah. First road trip, five games were on the road. I had uh, three goals to assist. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, and I remember all this happening, and there was a few. There was another guy that same year, a total flash in the pan, but he played for the Rangers. I can't remember. Daniel Gounod, maybe? Gounod? Like, I remember he, him going, him and Christian Dubé made the Rangers the yeah. same year. And, and, like, boom, he had, like, seven goals in the first ten games. And I remember looking at you guys and saying, well, you're off to the races. The last place I expected to see you was in a dressing room with me in the Aiken Center a few months later. Um, I won't lie to you, in November, I didn't think that either, but hockey's a funny sport. <laughs> and you're in L.A. of all places. So no kidding. How That's was, a different how was that city experience? to a different city. Do you, do you, yeah, L.A. to fucking Fredericton. L.A. to Fredericton, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sums it all up. That sums up Daddy <laughs> no Max's whole no career. No disrespect to Fredericton, New Brunswick, um, but it's not no. L.A. But, like, but, hey, hey, but we made the best of it, though. We made the best of it. Well, we had an unbelievable time. First of all, like, did you do anything to piss anybody off, or did you just figure then they put you down to the fourth line after the first little bit? Now you're not playing. They figured, you know what, maybe he'll mo grow a bit more in Fredericton. Uh, I'm still waiting for the phone call from Larry Robinson. <laughs> I was going to ask about, I've, yeah. I've read about some of Larry Robertson's coaching uh, tactics. Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I've read about some of uh, some of his coaching tactics. I was going to ask, what was he like as a coach? But you just answered it there. So, Well, it, it, you know what? It, it's like that's a funny story. It's like everybody. I wish I knew then what I know now. Mm. There's some things. That I'm sure that I don't have any regrets because I don't want to live in that type of world. But looking back, could I have done a few things different? Sure. But it was... I think it was, I kind of got stuck in the business. Like, L.A. at that point, like, I compare myself to, like, Colin White, for example. Okay. We yeah. played together. We played together in Hall. He was a second-round pick. Yeah. At that time, uh, New Jersey was heavy into Albany. They had a great team. Like, Bobby House played there. Yeah, Sheldon And Surrey. they won a couple of They won a couple of the Cups. Yeah. And no matter who you were, even Patrick Eliash and Decor, uh, everybody played a little bit in the minors. Until they 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 came up to the Devils, mm -hmm. yeah. and they worked with they worked with Colin White in the summer. He played the first two and a half years in the minors. They brought him through, and then halfway through his third year, they brought him up. He wins a couple cups. Where LA at that point was still like free agency. They were just buying players, moving players around. Had no no system, like you say, Terry. Like there wasn't even one LA person in person. No, so that, like you guys didn't that have just shows you. That just shows you how little they were concerned about the youth movement. Development so, wasn't on and their radar. Was, and guys, I'll tell you, so this was obvious to me because I knew Donald coming in and everything. So, like, in my mind, Don and I were, 
Daddy Mac and I were like almost like peers. You know, we both shot left. We were both forward. We both yeah, had yeah. some offensive upside. You're both we both were battling for power. Nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. So, yeah. Like so, in a lot of ways. But as players too, there was an uncanny. Other than other than I dropped my gloves a lot. Either, that yeah. was a difference. But other than that, there was a lot of similarities going on, even in size. So. I was getting more, even though I tell stories about Tyrion, but I was still getting more ice time because it was my team that it was affiliated with, right? So I remember, you know, some great prospects, uh, Daddy Mac, and we had Eric Belanger, who ended up having a long NHL career. Yeah. Uh, but he was yeah. he was with us, but people think because his name was Belanger, he was with the Habs, he wasn't, he was with L.A. We had um, Jan Nemechek, we had uh, Roman Volpat came down with us for a bit and then ended up in St. Louis. But, um, yeah, see, and I, when we were there, there was Jose Theodore and Collins Bokun. We were a goaltender. We yeah. did okay. And not knocking on the door, Matthew Garon was the third, <laughs> but um, who ended up having a good career too. But yeah, so yeah. I always felt this is funny. So that year, Daddy Mac plays almost 39 games. I'm looking at it here now, nine goals and five assists. But I knew, like, most of that he's playing on the third and fourth line. And it's another thing to send Daddy Mac out there with two guys that are just like meatheads. I won't mention everybody <laughs> on our team, but because nothing's going to get accomplished there either, right? But sometimes it was just whoever. And it was often a pecking order. So, and, and we kind of got the best treatment because we were Montreal prospects. But then a couple of years later, so I play that year. And then I play the next year in the A and have another decent year. But I told you guys the year I was holding out of Montreal and I played for the St. John's Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. So I signed in St. John's in, like, November. I think I played, like, 49 or 50 games that year. So I must have signed in November, maybe early December. Well, whatever it was, we were on the road in Lowell. Now, our, our coach was Al McAdam, and our assistant coach was Dave Cameron, both from PEI. So they also knew of Donald. Like, so I don't know who brought it on, but we were, we were watching practice, and I remember Al said, you think he'd do good with us? And I'm like, I fucking know he would. He still hasn't got a chance to really break out. Like, he, Donald, if there's one guy, I mean, he made, he made the NHL already. I mean, like, he could easily play on one of the first lines, but I know it wasn't up to Al or Don to, or, or, or uh, Al or Dave Cameron to trade for him, but there must have been a buzz because then the next week we went back home, and sure enough, we traded for Don McLean. Daddy Mac comes in and fucking leads our team in scoring for the rest. Of, it was only like 20 or 22 games left in the season or some shit like that. He gets 28 points or whatever combined. with, And we were in last place, so he ends up leading our team in scoring. And then becoming a prospect in his own right. Then the next few years... You know, St. John's Maple Leafs, uh, Daddy Mac ends up getting a point a game um, twice uh, within a couple of years. Um, actually, even more than that, 87 points in 2002, which I believe you led the A in scoring, did you? I, yeah, I, I believe I was, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. during like, this Because my first half year, like what you're talking about, because they, Lowell, uh, Tom Rowe was, GM of Lowell at the time, he was looking for some crowd, looking for people, just because they were drawing nobody to Tonga Serena and Lowell. And Craig Sherrall had played there yep. before and did well. So they were, and Craig was in St. John's, so they were looking, hey, maybe we could bring him in, uh, yeah, maybe to help with the crowd. And pretty much at that point, me and LA were kind of done with each other, so they just kind of opened their, their, their hand and said, who do you want? And I, from my understanding, I wasn't there. Like you said, Al and Dave being uh, from the Maritimes were kind of like, well, we'll take him. And they just kind of said, here, go. So and Al, Al pretty much single-handedly changed my career. Okay. Wow. So Al, yeah. I, was, I always wondered that, and we've never talked about it. But, I, you know, because we were in the stands, I figured Al McAdams, the coach of the minor league team, what could he possibly have to do 
with getting, you know, other than recommend, recommending. But he must have really gone to bat because I remember it being a big issue. But you came over, and it was almost like a resurgence. Then for the next four or five years, even longer, you know, you went on a real spurt to the point that, you know, your first line every team you're playing on uh, with climaxing in 0506, Grand Rapids, 56 goals. 56 goals in 76 games. I mean, at that yep. point, now sure, okay, you're in Grand Rapids. I know I'm fast-forwarding a lot, but just like the stint with Toronto, you get up for two or three games, you had an assist, you always seem to find the scoreboard. Detroit that year, three games, one goal, one assist. Did anybody ever give you a reason that you didn't go back or you didn't get up? Or With 56 in the minors and a goal and assist in three games in the NHL, I mean, isn't the next step a regular spot in the show? But that's what I thought. But uh, Detroit, like Babcock and Ken Holland, had a plan, and to their credit, it worked without me. Is <laughs> oh fuck! Too bad. You're always falling into these business plans. You're, well, that's it. Like oh. at that point in time, at that point in time in Grand Rapids, they had Valtteri Filipula, yeah, Thomas Kupatsky, Yuri Hoodler was a big name. Yuri right Hoodler. And there's one, I think there's one other forward there. And Kopetsky ended up winning three cups. Hoodler won a couple about, you know. So, yeah, like, in the moment, was I angry? Because, yeah, I did more than them at that time. But I knew, like, you know how it is. You go prospect, suspect, reject, and do that cycle a few times. And you look at it, and you can, you can, you can see the writing on the wall on how they actually treat you. Yeah. So... And so, you know, when you're, I went on a tear there for a while. The same thing with Lou Crawford, my last year at the Leafs, when Lou Crawford was coaching, and Lou would call me in to call up Alexi Ponikarovsky, and I'm like, you kidding me? Like, I'm working my tail off here and leading the league in points, and you're pulling me in to tell Alexi Ponikarovsky he's getting called up? Yeah. So you can tell how you're being treated with where things are really going long-term. And so... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just, and I, I'm not asking these questions from a negative perspective. I, no, anybody hey, who knows you, listen, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, listen, like we could probably have a, a one of those talks at a golf show or a golf tournament or on or in a crowd, like, you know, the, the stories that we've been through and the mental roller coasters that go with it. It's, uh, I don't, I, I don't. Uh, how how I word this? I don't harp on it too much because if you think about it and dwell on it too much it can really chew you up you're you're right and in the end you know you look back and you're uh how many people from bedford have made the nhl and everything and i because i I, the the reason i'm so curious a you're my buddy i know a lot of the story but i'd like people to hear it because there's certain people that often fall through the cracks in that there's only six or seven hundred jobs i often say in the nhl so guys like and harold drukin's another one Harold Jukin plays as a 20-year-old, gets 15 goals in 55 games. He never is an NHL regular again. Yeah. To me, that blows me away. Yeah. That's 25 or 30 goals guaranteed. And if he's doing it on the fourth line as a 20-year-old, yeah. chances are, and he, he didn't do anything to prove it. It's not like he got sent down and you yeah. know, got thrown into rehab, or it's not like he had some major car accident, or it's not like he you know, wasn't putting numbers up. It's just often, and, and Donald, for, for lack of a better description, in my mind, ended up being a great signing for teams in that affordable um 
and he can be he can help our young guys he can help our young team that happens like a 23 or 24 switch all of a sudden now you're there to help the yep. prospects we can call him up if we call him up hey three goals to us two points he won't make us look bad he's not going to go out there and he won't be intimidated by this point so you know some guy that we need to really rush along or bring along slowly uh, maybe donald can fill in and he play his nhl games yeah. you know uh and so it becomes not a thing of like you're not good enough. It's just like, well, you weren't really in that plan, you know. That's, those those yeah. three games are bonus games. That's yeah. that's one. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing I notice is once you're a player that's like 26 in the AHL, that's as good as 38 in the NHL. Like yeah. you're not gonna yeah. be cracking. Not not to say never, but like it's it's a, a victory lap to get called up for five games as opposed to cracking the lineup at a camp. Yeah, at that point, what they do is they call you up to throw you a boat, keep that dream alive. Yeah. They, you know, but yeah, you you become you become valuable, but in the in a way that you're not hoping. I shouldn't say not hoping, because um, my goal was always to play in the NHL. So, but we, I knew at a certain point I was more valuable to the American League coach than I was to the NHL team. Did you get the kiss of death at that point? The uh, captaincy in the AHL. No, I, got, I, never, I was never a captain. I had A's most of the years. <laughs> Which is good. It's knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just often talk about that. I, I, you know, I, I often say, like, when you're in the minors, you almost don't want that. I, there's a there's no. a sense of permanency no. to it, that A, hey, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I don't want to be leading this team anywhere, yeah. you know? <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. here tomorrow. Hang on, does the um, C stand for cab driver and I'm going know. to the airport? Is that what it stands for? <laughs> so Daddy and I had an unbelievable time in Freddie, by the way. Um we really did for all the people. And like sometimes it might sound like I'm shitting on Fredericton. It's just because, like, I didn't have a great experience with Michelle Therrien. And, you know, uh, I wanted to be in Montreal as a personal mm -hmm. perspective as a player, of course. But Freddie was a great separation from that because a lot of us are going through all this pressure. You know, you're talking L.A. Kings. You're talking Montreal Canadians. Yeah. And in Montreal, even getting off the airplane, there's air, there's people there, and they want to know what you had for breakfast. And it becomes, I mean, it's, it's fun and it's sensational at first and it's almost overstimulating. But after a while that becomes boring and yeah. like going to Freddie and hanging out at Sweetwaters is a bit of a laugh. You know what <laughs> I mean? You're like, you know, this ain't too bad, you know, because we, we all knew that we weren't going to be there long. Hell, we knew the Fredericton Canadians weren't going to be there that long. Yeah. There was no, often times, yeah, there was often times UNB yeah. outdrew us, yeah. you know, for, oh, for big fans. Time. Yeah. Big time. That's, I think they just started their supremacy around that time. Gardner McDougal's UNB V-Reds. Mm. Yep. Totally. Yeah, totally. there was two Ned Flanders behind had, the bench. Then you had St. Thomas, um, who Al McAdam coached for a bit, and and they were so within our little city um, of Fredericton, we were the Montreal Canadiens farm team, but often the um, UNB team would sell out. And, and St. Thomas played at a different rink, but same thing. There was a big vibe. I never looked at it as competition because I felt that those guys were striving to get where we were, um, yeah. and I knew that whatever came, I knew whatever good or bad. As the years went on, um, it would all become more serious and responsible. So it was um, it was certainly a great time, and fuck, did we ever have a blast. But uh, I'm going to, you know, the year after that, Daddy, when we played in St. John's, I mean, there's going to be a lot of listeners from Newfoundland. I mean, why do you remember that? Other than uh, hanging out at the penalty box, and uh, we would... Uh, you know, we'd always go down after practice with 20 or 40, throw them in the machines, have a few bars, oh. and then hit whatever bar oh. was happening that night. Well, I, I live, I, well, I was when we, yeah, well, blah, 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 blah. What I remember starting off with, when I first got to St. John's, I don't know if you were there in the actual 
I think you guys were in New England when I actually got traded and I played in the row with you guys. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in Providence was the first game. It was and I'll never forget. Yeah, I remember that. I, anyway, the first time that like, DJ Smith was there, Sean Thornton, uh, you probably were in the mix, and we're walking down the road. And you know, Smitty and Thornton always like to joke around. And we're literally walking down. We're staying at the Biltmore Hotel. Yeah. And the Biltmore's got a massive sign on the top of the, of the uh, hotel. Like, you, you can't miss it. And they just crack and jokes. Well, yeah, wh- where's our hotel at? Where are we? No, we can't see it. And I'm like, like a little kid, like, like in, the t- in the class. I'm, it's over there. It's over there. And they're just like, really? Come on. Like, come on. <laughs> and, then, and then I remember slowly after that, I don't know what it was, Daddy, but you remember, I think it might have been that road trip maybe even when you first got to our team and you, like, scored and then you scored again. We were playing on the same line for a while because um, yep. I was, for the first part of that year, um, I, I knew I, I was still owned by the Canadians. So yep. Toronto signed me for St. John. What St. John I signed with the city of St. John's. Hopefully they were going to trade for me, but I knew I wasn't going to get the most ice time. Like, yeah. Bill Waters said to me, like, I'm not going to play you ahead of Adam Mayer, yeah. you know, or an actual prospect that we have. But, you know, you're going to fit in where... So for a while, I was just fighting, but I had a good um, vibe with Daddy Mac, and we ended up playing together, yeah. and, which helped my point totals, too, for the end of the year, maybe the last 15 games or so. But at first, we were on a road trip, and fucking Daddy forgets his razor. So he ends up getting a bit of a beard, and we're coming back, and he's letting it go. And then, I, I can't remember, but you came in, like, a plaid shirt to the rink one day, and we were just coming off, like, the grunge movement and stuff had just happened. And he does well. And then we go out one night, and like I said, like, I don't really ever remember getting plowed till like, f- 5 in the morning the night before a game. Like, that didn't really happen. People think it did. We were more like go out at, at like, noon after yeah. practice, um, have whatever beers we're going to have, yeah. fucking get pizza and go. But it was more like you could let that lifestyle. There was a little bit of a slob mentality to it. And, um, you know, and the, the more daddy embraced his inner slob, the better he did. <laughs> the better you did. You remember that? And you were just like... What? You beat me to the story, though. Like, where I was going with this was, like, coach-wise, Al McAdam was a game-changer. Yeah. For the first time, a coach spoke to me like a human being, not a piece of meat, and how to do this and how to do that. Like, he actually spoke to me. So that was probably the, the start of it. But having you there was another fold because I was, you know, I'd read the mental, the men, like, read these books and... You know, I have to work out, I have to eat this, I have to get this sleep. I had myself batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. And and things were just deteriorating. Like I like I just was things were spiraling. I was gonna quit hockey and I blew my knee out earlier in that year and then it was like it's I get healthy, come to St. John's and you're just kinda like yeah. Hey man, like take a deep breath. Like you can have a beer. Like it's it's okay. You can you can have fun, you can relax. And, and it's just, it's just like how Terry says, it's, I, I slowly untied it and it just, it just, it just worked. You, it just yeah. worked. It, you literally it, let it, your hair down. You <laughs> let your hair grow, right? You, you started just, yeah, you were, you know what? We're, yeah, we're going into, we're going into TR's basement for the afternoon. Who knows when we'll come out of there. We'll order pizza. We'll do it. I'm not saying all, we had, we had a gym in the rink. It's not like we didn't work out. I, I always yeah, yeah, I was, try to, gym, yeah. Gym, Jim's Bar and Grill in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jim's Bar and Grill. But, it was, yeah, there was a level of, like, I don't know. For me, I'll, I'll still say it. Like, I do cardio to this day. But, uh, you know, every day I take my fitness. But, but it, importantly, I, I consider it important for an athlete. But, you know, 
at the time, and all that was just starting with all these trainers trying to tell you what to do. And, oh, um, you, know, the, yeah. you know, it was really, yeah. it, was, it was almost too much. And the VO2 max had just started and all that. So we were getting tested like three times a year anyway. We knew enough. Yeah. We skated every day. And to me, look, I, I, I'm loosey-goosey anyway. But at that time, I just, I, I mean, I knew we, we weren't best buddies when we were 13 or 14, but I definitely knew of you. And then oh, yeah. in Freddie, you know, we hung out for the whole year. Um, and, you know, you, were, you, you seemed to be a little bit tense if, you know, we did have a good time, but you were definitely were tense. And then all of a sudden, by, by St. John's, you were just like high strung. Like you said, yeah, no, I got to go to bed at this time. I got to do this. I got to have my creatine with this. And, and then you just started not giving a, a shit. And I can't even tell some of the stories on here. But you just started <laughs> not giving a shit. And boom, the results just started. And you're like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to keep doing more of the same. I got to say, this is the <laughs> first time we've called <laughs> a guest a slob, Terry. <laughs> No, but well, every every couple of years, TR, that picture of us at St. John's circulates on Facebook as an anniversary. I've got even refs were calling me like, uh, 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 not Al Bundy, but uh, the, 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 the guy in the ass, the big beard. I got a massive beard, missing tooth. My bangs are down to my chin. I I let myself go. <laughs> I just like Terry said. I just untied the purse strings and just rolled with it. Yeah. And I look back and I, I, like, I didn't, I think I used dippity do and put my hair straight back. I had a beard and no tooth. I don't think I wore my tooth once. No, you <laughs> embraced your inner slob, the daddy Mac on the inside that was just waiting to come out. You were you though. You were you. And that ended up, yeah. uh, even if you look at it, even like, when did that switch happen for Thority? Same thing, right? Like, um, Thornton eventually, when he caught on in the NHL and ended up being Sean Thornton, he just went and he was himself. He just became himself, and he was. I think at first year, I don't know what it is, but I, I was in the same boat. You have this idea that you know you you've got to do a certain thing, but everybody's different. Some people thrive on that, you know. But um, even at the time, I remember us all being given like people were starting to take it serious, but it wasn't personalized. Like we'd all get. Uh, a thing here, 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 a sheet of paper, a sheet of paper. We'd all get a folder or whatever. Here's what you got to do by the month. Here's what you got to, by December, you should be doing these squats and you should, but everybody's different, right? So mm -hmm. some people need more work on, I don't know, their uh, cardio. Yeah. Some people need to work on skating. So, you know, after practice, instead of going in and doing squats the whole fucking time, cause it's not like we don't work on legs all year, you know, they'll go yep. out and do quick feet drills. And it was just at the time, it was just like so open that uh, people would, try to label somebody and I still say there, there's more people now with a label I think because they're more accepting maybe of that but we were also in an area an era with characters and when you know we were used to doing our own thing and again I'm not just talking about off-ice fucking crazy boozing or anything I'm talking yeah. about anything some people you know um, like I remember I liked having pizza for pregame meal Right, and I'm like, I don't fucking get what the big deal is. It's still mm -hmm. it's the same fucking ingredients that are in pasta, isn't it? Or, you know, that was like a no-no. Uh, and certainly Pop for me, Pop Tarts for Dan Elferson. Hey, man, for me, <laughs> Pop Tarts. Yeah, uh, like big Pop Tart guy. The night Should before be the a game, I would like smoking weed, and at the time, people would fucking think I was nuts for that. But I'm like, well, I kind of got a bad rap for it. But I was like, you know, I, I don't want to be out boozing, first of all, and. You know, now, of course, everything that we know now, yeah. and especially, you know, going through concussions here and there and stuff, no wonder I liked it. But I just like to have no hangover and everything. And I, you know, the more people that I think embrace their inner self, uh, you know, while you balance uh, being a professional 
And I think that's what happened, Donald. You, you, everybody finds their balance, and, and you found yep. your balance. But we, we were in that era, and I've talked to former teammates and whatnot. That was a transition time, I think. Yeah. We really went from, like, I remember talking to some of our coaches, like Pat Conacher and, and different guys that, like, when they played even before us, like, they go on the bus with a case of beer and a pack of smokes and play poker the whole time. Yeah. By the time we came, fitness was just kind of being talked about. Like you said, LA would give me a folder, here, go follow this thing, and be in three months. So, yeah. Yeah. and then by the time I get out of it, like, everybody has a personal trainer. Everybody has a skating coach. Everybody's got a skills coach. Every day, now it's just, it's, it's 12 and a half months a year now. It's crazy. Like, it's just, and the, and the, the sidebar professions that come out of it, it's just nuts. Nobody's riding a bus, and if you're on a bus, you're not taking a case of beer. You've got coconut water now. Exactly. <laughs> we only had, yeah, we only had the bus. The A then, I often tell people, it was all Eastern Seaboard. Like, I don't remember flying anywhere, really. Um, do you? Like, the no, a- we, we, we just missed it because I remember the Sizzles were in Halifax 93 or 94, I think it was one of their last years. And from what I heard, like, that was one of the best conferences in Lake. Uh, Cape Breton Oilers, Halifax, PEI Senators, Fairton Canadians. I think Moncton might even have a team back yeah, then. Moncton and Hawks. John. Yeah, like it was. It was quite the circuit. Yeah, and that was a whole division. Was was like Atlantic yeah. Canada, and then you know you, you know we would go down the Eastern Seaboard. We would go like Philly, um, Hartford, Albany, Worcester, Lowell. Right there's there's four or five teams. That was another division. There was only. 14 or 15 teams. I remember like loving the road trip to Philly because it was a big city and we played in the spectrum. Um, but yeah. it was Some just, a, it was a different mentality. It was almost like an extension of junior. And you're right. I felt that our era was an awkward one to be in as a player because it was between my, di- like say going back to like your, you said your coaches in the eighties and you know, the bird dog and, and you know, my dad and you know, that, that whole era before us, was just a lot of it was just off the wall, anything goes. And to the point now that, you know, everybody's got a personal trainer. Some have more than one. Um, and, you know, it's much more robotic and systematic. What's better? I mean, who knows? I'm just saying in our era was the middle. We like glued those two things together. We were, um, you know, and it was tough to go out and play. Like, can you imagine playing now without having to worry about like Frank Bialois or not that you had to fight him, but these guys were out there going to. They were going to fucking kill someone one way or the other. Steve McIntyre yeah. would take your head off, man. Like you remember, uh, remember that defenseman, big goatee, Brett Thompson. Oh yeah, man. I fought him in Hartford. Guys oh. like him, like you know, uh, like I'm drawing blank, but guys like him, like I've talked to different players. Like back then, like you're standing in front of a yeah. full on cross check to the ribs, full just on. perfect, just above your pants with lower your shoulder pads. That was legal. I've said you know, it a thousand times. You know, that was the, the hardest opener, part of the all of it. The can opener was yeah. legal. Like, a D-Max, I remember playing in St. Remember St. John's like Memorial Stadium? Yeah. I remember playing in Hamilton. They Every single D they had was at least six foot six. Yeah. I, it, it was fucking left, unbelievable. You couldn't move, and they would literally lift you off the ground. I was a big man. And pin you, and you could scream at the Ralphs, and Ralphs like, Keep the play going. I'm like, I can't. I can't even touch the ice. <laughs> and it's okay. The ref's in the corner. It's t- It was allowed. And you were. they'd give you like two seconds. A guy would pin you there. 
the puck would be gone. And I'm like, how long? It was just like really frustrating. In a small rink like Morrill Stadium, yeah, it was really hard to get open and do any dangling. You almost had no. to just be, be like, you know, if, if you've got it inside the blue line and there's no one around, shoot it because like you're not going to get much better of a chance. And then guys like, yeah, like guys like Thompson, I love how you singled him out because I often single him out. I remember like, you know, as, as a forward, as a scorer, you got to go in front of that net. And he yeah. would have, he was like, he'd give you that cross check right up on, yeah, right up over the pants, under the fucking shoulder pads. And then after the cross check, he'd whack you across the foot with the blade of his stick. And it was like yeah. cross check, whack, cross check, whack. And you almost had to learn to do because you knew you were going to get it. So either you put yep. more padding there or, and he was never going to stop. Like I fought him a few times. That just made him mad. Like, you know what I mean? It was like bird dog. Like you just got to accept that it's going to be real hard to go in front of that cage and I'm going to have to time it and hopefully time it with the point shot coming in that I can get a, a goal or a rebound. But you weren't going standing there. Look, look at highlights now that there's people like standing in front of the net and guys like Brooks Orpik are still pretty tough and they'll like clear it out, but nothing yeah. like it was. It was just hard oh. mentally before the game, just, you know, going, okay, okay, okay. Three periods, three periods, three periods. Got to go out there. Okay, Thompson's going to be at it, but I got to. Well, like, I, I yeah. think this, the era it was, you always had your fighters. Because back then, when we first started, it was 10 skaters. And usually it was nine, nine skaters and a fighter. Yeah, nine and, forwards, you mean, yeah. Yeah, well, I call them, yeah, forwards. It's 10 forwards. Yeah. But it would, you get the game notes. Yeah. And more of the talk was, Okay, who's on the other side that's going to fight? Is he a lefty? Is, I, this isn't me, but listen yeah, to the, I know, the yeah. guys that fight. They'd be like, okay, is he heavyweight? Is he middleweight? Is he a challenger? Is he established? Is he a lefty? Is he a righty? Is he a grappler? You know, all that stuff. And that was a lot of the that was every game at- amongst the guys. Well, remember, I often say like that when that we'd go to the rink early in the uh, – the stats package would come out on everybody's, you know, you'd get to the rink and in everybody's stall was the stats package. Uh, you know, maybe. Oh, yeah, Roger, Roger Maxwell did a good job. Not Roger. Is it, no, bro, who was the uh, PR guy in uh, St. John's? It was Maxwell. Uh, Roger? Brian Rogers. Brian Rogers, that's it. Brian Rogers, yeah. Yeah, they would bring in these and it would always be, you'd look at the other, and you're right. Um, there was a rule, a lot of people don't realize it, that, before the game, if you were a coach, you could, and you, if it was home, you could decide whether to go to with sixteen skaters or seventeen or eighteen. So, if you went with sixteen, then forwards there would only be three lines and a and an extra. So in the AHL, it was often hard to get benched. Yeah, because well, yeah. Well, we, when we first, when I first got going back to St. John's, when I first got traded, and like you say, we didn't make playoffs that year. Um, but we had an eight-game road trip to finish the season. And I'll never forget this because you're playing pro hockey. And we went on the road, I think, with 13 or 14 guys. And we had guys like Keith Delaney at the time that yeah. I think was playing university. He was. Uh, and then there was another guy who played a bit of seniors with us. We had fucking Steve Scott who played senior senior for the Southern Shore Breakers came came with us. We had Dennis Lake was our backup goalie. Lakey, remember? And then, and then, uh, and then also to... Uh, uh, was it Colin, not Colin Forbes, or Forbes McPherson. I think he was Forby called McPherson. up. He was called up from the East Coast. Like, like, we're, like, we're not mathematically of the playoffs. And I remember, like, going on the road going, like, what the fuck? Like, we're really not trying. Like, we, we're, we're going, yeah. like, we're pro hockey eight games in, like, 12 days with, like, 13 guys, 14 guys. I totally remember that. I remember thinking, like, this is crazy that we're in the American Hockey League and we're just, like, phoning people, like, <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to Steve Scott, 
Steve Scott played at least two games. I remember, I, I think that year we dressed Greg Weber just for the Newfoundland fans, for the St. John, St. John's guys. Um, yeah. Ricky Field. Was- there was a few people that, like, and I remember, like, literally being on the bus on the way home and now and them going, okay, like, because, like, Toronto say, I don't know who their, who our farm team was in the East Coast League. I can't remember. Um, yeah, let's just say, yeah, whoever the fuck it was, New Orleans or something. So, but, you know, if they're on the road and they're a ways away, they're not going to get any, and literally on the way to the rink going, calling people from senior hockey. Now, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs Burn team. I'm on my fucking cell phone calling people from senior hockey. Can you play tonight? Hey, Stevie, do you want a game with the St. John's Maple Leafs? Like, unbelievable. Like, that, that shit would never, ever happen now. And it wasn't like that long. Going a phone like, book on the boss. Yeah. Like, for, like, I, like, my beer league team doesn't do that at this point. You hey. know? Like, that's, that's, and I know what you're Check. saying, but it's just like, it's that thing of like, yeah, we don't, like, we've got our, our set guy, we got like one or two subs. That's kind of it. We're good for the, but that's a beer league team. That was happening. The fact that the St. John's Maple Leafs are doing. At the end of the year, you check, 99-2000. Yeah, looking at St. Right John's now. Maple Leafs. Yeah. So we had, we had a few. We had Dan Preston. We had Forby McPherson. A lot of, and there's a couple other ones too because the boys were from PEI like I said mm-hmm. so Forby McPherson was actually playing in the Central League um, or the, the West Coast League one of them like way down no, it was the Central way down in like Corpus Christi which was considered at the time a little bit under the East Coast League but still a lot of guys Forby was getting older and set up he was assistant coach he had a great life you know I'm not saying he was any worse but um we and, and you know but he's from PEI and the boys knew him and they figured yeah. you know if we're going to give anybody a chance um, you know, let's call these guys up, no, and it was the it's same not a thing. long distance call. At yeah, that and point. I get, but like the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah, people would like go. I can't believe like McAdam is calling Ricky Field again or whoever it was. But I'm like, the Toronto Maple Leafs are at the top here. Like they're the ones that either don't care. They're either making the call or or they're not giving a shit and they not sending us anybody. But I'm in a snowstorm on the way to the rink, literally calling players. From the top five scores, I'm looking at the paper from the St. John's fucking Senior League or the Newfoundland Senior League on the way to the rink. Can you guys play tonight? Jeez, I'd love that, boy. A game with the AHL. Really? What are they going to give me? 500 <laughs> bucks for the game. Doesn't matter if you get one shift. Lake Dennis Lake came on like four road trips with us. 500 a game, right? Whether you get a, uh, get to play or not. Um, and I remember being with Daddy Mac at the last part of that road trip. Yeah, and you were like, what in the fuck is happening? We were just like going on, like whoever was ready. You know, come on, oh. we might have four or five different different players tonight. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but actually, you know, another player we forgot about that I, I'm starting to coach against now is Robbie Sinclair. Yes, he was there too Our, at the end of that year. Oh, my God. Seven games. I just saw a game. I'm looking at Ford McPherson, 10 games. Yeah. Uh, Forby played 10, did he? Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'm glad those guys got up. But, yeah. Um, uh, Dan, Dan Preston, is he from around there? Dan Preston, I believe, you know what? Dan Preston, if I'm not mistaken, played at like St. Thomas or UNB or one of them. And the boys know. That is a great memory. St. Thomas, yeah. Yeah. And Keith Delaney. Keith, yeah. So Keith. um, Because he's local, isn't he? Keith's local. Now, Keith's a great player, but same deal, guys. So Keith Delaney was drafted to the Florida Panthers, I believe, in the fourth round. Uh, when and uh, for those that don't know, and when uh, Newfoundland, it was big news because he left with Dan Cleary. They're the same age, yeah. and Keith actually still plays. Got a couple of Allen Cups. Great, great guy, great friend of mine. Didn't you want to hurt her with him? I want to hurt her with the, with yeah. his uh, CBs with Keith. Yeah, and Keith was as good as any import that they used to bring in. Um, Keith didn't like flying, so oh. he didn't want it. He didn't even go to Florida camp. Like, and oh, wow. uh, that was the thing. He said he was, was going to get his four years of schooling. So he went to St. Mary's, but whatever happened, they I swear to you, they were on the, they were like, hey, Terry, do you think we can get Keith in? And like all of a sudden, like Bill Waters, like the GM of Toronto, like walks into our dressing room 
And he's just like, hey, Terry, you think you can get Keith Delaney to play? I'm like, just like that, guys. Now, not that, again, I'm saying these names, not that Keith Delaney wasn't good enough. If he wanted, he, you know, I'm sure he could have pursued a career in pro hockey. Yeah. But that was it. And a side note, so we convinced him to play. I remember he scored a goal um, in St. John's. And then we went on a road trip to Portland. And sure enough, as soon as we were airborne, man, the guy freaked the fuck out. I mean, freaked out. Like, I don't like planes. I usually have a couple of shots of vodka or something, go to sleep. Worst comes to worst, like I was fucking popping Valium or whatever it might be at the time. I really, really don't like flying. But there's a difference between really, really not liking it and fucking cannot stand it, cannot possibly do it. And I remember, like, Keith fucking flipped out. And I believe we landed in Portland, and we played a few games down there, and I think he drove home. And then the next year, he decided rather than go pro, he could not handle the flying. Um, He took a fifth year. I believe at Acadia or the other way. No, St. Mary's before. And then he went to Acadia and he was like player of the year and all that. And then he came home and started playing senior hockey. Now, now Keith's a teacher and he makes good money. He's got his masters, him and his brother, Ryan. So I'm not saying that any, I'm not saying any less of him for making that decision, but he was a great player, but yeah, that was just fly. That that was seat of the pants. That was just me having his number in my cell phone. And he played five games in the American hockey league. Right. (laughs) Like you say, you look at those. You look at those names. They're just piecemeal in a roster just to finish up the season. Yeah, and again, you would you would never see that. Yeah, much the same way like my St. John's Caps team does. Like if it's going to the end of the year, maybe call up the odd junior or whatever. Yeah. Like, but it was it was like that. The end of the year was um was crazy, and especially then, my God, the end of the year party. Holy fuck! Hey, I, I, oh yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, that's for another show. Yeah, um, that's for another show. <laughs> I was just saying, as you were, I'm sitting here, and I was like, no, I can't tell that story. No. I know. I just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no angle that I can pick <laughs> that I can tell that story. The anyway, redacted no. episode of yeah. <laughs> for Men In. <laughs> but, uh, oh, shit. I lost my train of thought. We were talking about, yeah. Anyways. When, Daddy Mac, when did you decide... Europe was that? Did, did you say I want to go to Europe, or all of a sudden was the better money over there, and you said, you know, I gotta go? That's one of my uh, issues. Um, so after Grand Rapids, um, Detroit didn't offer very much because they had their prospects in line. So the Coyotes gave me a good offer, two-year deal. Barnett was a GM, Gretzky was the coach. Barnett was the oh, GM, so. wasn't he? That used to be my agent, Mike Barnett. I, I often forget he was a National Hockey League GM for a while. Whatever happened to him? Yeah. I have no idea. Anyway, no idea. I don't really so care. I, I, I get signed, and that year, when I was in Grand Rapids, the NHLPA decided to cap the American League uh, salary at seventy-five grand if you wanted to get called up. Oh, my so God. So the, the catch was, if you made seventy five grand and below, you could go back and forth. If you made seventy five grand and one dollar, if you got called up, um, the team that picks you up is only responsible for half your contract. So you're it was a big risk for players to go back and forth. Wow. So I made seventy five grand my year in Grand Rapids. Sign over in uh, Phoenix and Barnett kinda gave me the hey, come down here and train with us for the summer. And, you know, obviously they can't guarantee anything, but, you know, your best, your best interest to come down here and train with us. So I said, you know what? 
rented a hotel for three months, trained down there, did everything. And for the first time in my career, I only received one exhibition game. No. Every other year. Every year I've always gotten pretty so much So you math. fucking, wait, 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 wait. You were telling me you went to Phoenix and trained in Phoenix. Correct. Yep. And it's not like you're 18. You've put in good years. They know what you can do. And they only gave you one exhibition game. Yeah. And he tried to, and so we're staying at the La Quinta Inn down there. And then they try to, uh, he tries to send me down in a mass send down. Like he just pulls everybody into like the conference room, like 15, 20 of us. And like, okay, you guys are all going down. Ah, uh, no, so, Zach. Yeah, that's, that's... so I, I wait till everybody clears out and I had a few choice words with, with them. And was just, I expressed my disapproval and. He gave me the, well, Wayne's looking for a guy that can skate a little better, and, you know, Wayne's looking for this. And I was like, with all due respect, you knew what the fuck you were signing, so don't tell me this now. Like, you knew I couldn't skate, but I can fucking score. Yeah. So, that's, if, that's... You didn't want to, if you didn't want to score and you want a skater, then don't fucking sign me. Like, that's like, why I'm, I'm so, uh, you know what I am. Blown away, Daddy Mac, because, yeah, you were well established. They knew exactly what they were getting. So, that kind of, um, so he, to, to so me, that's, it, yeah, it, that's no balls. They went back and, and I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think they were just, when I look at it, they were just trying to beef up San Antonio is what they were trying to do. Well, there, there, were a lot of, there were a lot of great players on that San Antonio roster for AHL-only players. I mean, you've got yourself, Jeff Taft was there, Bill Thomas. Those guys were huge names in the AHL those couple of years. Uh, I'm just yeah, well, for- Thomas, Thomas was, he was, but when I had him, like, my year down there, we had Keith Gamble as a rookie, Bill Thomas as a rookie. Um, did you play, play, ever play with a guy, Gellich, Randall Gellich? I know you're talking about, but no, I didn't. You know, we had uh, Brian Helmer was down there, myself, uh, one of the Ferraro brothers. Um, we had a good team, but we had a, a bunch of rookies that did well, but they were, they were young at that time, and San Antonio had a, didn't have a good morale. It was, well, you, it was a tough place. But you got called up, right? So, I mean, well, how did that, was that injury? So how, what happened was there, I, 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 I emptied the tanks on, uh, on Barnett and told him I was leaving because I was also getting some really big offers to go to Russia. Russia. And Russia. So, so I was just like, so that was in my year. And like I told him, I said, what do I want me to do? I'll go down the, I'll go down the American League and I'll score fucking 35 goals so I can hung over every night. Like, it's not a challenge. Like, I, it, yeah. I'm either in the NHL or it's time for me to move on. Like, yeah, yeah. I was, and so he, I said, I'm leaving. He says, well, give us till uh, October 1st. No, sorry. Give us till November 1st. And uh, if we don't call you up by then, we'll, uh, we'll, let, we'll release you. October 31st, I get a phone call. Jeez. Get called up. Trick or treat. So 10 games for 30 days, it kicks into a one-way. The ninth game, 29th day, I get sent back down. I was going to ask about that. I saw the nine games played, and I was like, okay, I think this is a, a waiver-exempt situation that they were just trying to skirt around. Yeah. Uh, what was Gretzky yeah. like as a coach, though? Uh, um, my very first – well, I'd, I'd met him previously because he was in L.A. system mm-hmm. when uh, – not the system, he was in L.A. I was in the system. <laughs> uh, training, training, <laughs> training camps uh, from 17 on. So I was originally drafted by them, but mm-hmm. – uh, so I get called up. I'm 28, 27. And 
I had a good reputation for scoring the American League, but I'm halfway in my gear. First game in Phoenix, half my gear on. I think it's all standing to the assistant coach at the time. He comes over to us and says, Coach wants to talk to you. So I would go back in the room, and I'm like, this is a presidential suite. Like, <laughs> mahogany table, leather chairs, library. Like, it's not a, it's not a coach stop. F- fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there across Wayne for the first game, and all he says to me is, I hear you can score. Now, what do you say to the all-time <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like, what? what do you yeah. say? Because uh, like, you, you can't come off too You, you want to be confident, yeah. but... You're talking to Wayne. You're not talking to like. You're saying you happen to be talking to the one person that has the most snipes ever. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah, what? In the <laughs> National Hockey League. And you've got to go. Yeah. Well, think I think it's that thing where it's like, you know, you're sitting across the table and Wayne Gretzky's like, so I hear you could score. And like, my first thought would just be like, well, you know. Not not relatively speaking in terms of this room. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in terms of the people in this room, not really that much. But do you, know. do you think that might have been why Gretzky didn't really take as a coach because you know uh, the unfortunate side effect of being Wayne fucking Gretzky. Like, yeah. oh, there's no there's no question. Yeah, so I, I mean, so I just, and I'll I'll elaborate on that in a minute. But I was just looked at him. I was like, uh, I do okay. Like I do fine down in the American League. And he's like, score your stay. See you later. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right. So I was wow. playing with uh, Mike Comrie and Owen Nolan that night. Had a goal and assist. I think it was, I don't think it was first star, second or third. And uh, anyways, it just derailed after that. Just, it was just, the team was, the organization was in just utter turmoil. And to go to your point, Gretzky, it's funny you say that because he'd do practices and he wasn't there very often. It was actually Barry Smith did most of it. But when Wayne did talk, he would talk four plays of everybody else. And then he didn't realize he was almost being uh, belittling you mm. by, like, you don't understand. And the, the whole team would scratch their heads after he spoke and kind of like, what, are you, what the fuck is he saying? Like, he's like, well, you got to come down the wing, you know, you... You do a fucking button hawk, you hit the far side, <laughs> then you go back around, then you slide the puck around here. <laughs> uh, and it's like, like... He's describing his, like, yeah, yeah you, you yeah. go behind the net, you take your time, yeah. you wait for people to challenge you on one side, and then you go, you act like you're going to come out the other and 15 seconds go by. It's almost like he's describing his best plays. That's, that's the one thing I always well, kind of wonder. Like we, we'd all be looking at each other like, what? I, I don't <laughs> think... And that would be it. I always wonder because, like, the the superstars don't typically become coaches because I, I honestly don't think a coach could or, or or had to spend any time at all grooming a Wayne Gretzky or a Mario Lemieux or a Bobby Orr or anything like that. Yeah. I really don't think, besides opening a door, I, I don't <laughs> think that's all. Like, I think that's the only thing Wayne Gretzky could have possibly learned from a coach during his tenure in the NHL. It's like, oh, this guy opens the door and maybe yeah. some interior decorating, judging by the story. <laughs> but you know, to, to, no, you're right, but, you know, I've often thought... I, I mean, we're trying to be objective here. I mean, I'm about to, in a little way, knock one of the best, the best player ever. <laughs> but not but, one of the best, not no, the best coach. Once ever. you get to the NHL, that's like a thing. I don't know if people realize that, but oftentimes the coach doesn't come on the ice. I always found that weird. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? 
What do you mean you're not going to come on the fucking ice? The only time I heard that Ken Hitchcock yeah, way back in the day yeah, was, yeah. It was literally too fat him. to do it. Um, for lack of a better, let's he was say he was too large. He was too obese. But like that happened. I don't really remember that ever even thinking of that in junior, even in the A. Like, you know, once in a blue moon, the coach might not be there because he's like scouting for the next night or something. But in the NHL, I, I won't start naming everybody that does it, but it's often a thing. And for me, if you're Wayne Gretzky, I think you've got to be on that ice because, yeah, for the for the reason of if you're not there, you're almost you're almost solidifying, you're magnifying my intimidation. Mm. You know, I don't want to hear you just give me X's and O's. You're way better than everybody here. Like, come on and put your skates but, on. Show me you're one of us. And it was neat. He practiced a couple times with us, but he he had uh, his his one of his kids were going to school like in Minnesota or something like that, and he. He wasn't there enough, and he wasn't a strong enough communicator to be able to be there that little. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I know, I know exactly. I, I what you think mean. part of it too. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're calling it a spade a spade here, I think part of it was a ownership ploy and a, a publicity stunt to kind of be like, well, "How do you get people into the rink here at this point? Well, let's give them the fucking greatest player ever and make them the coach. Let's you know make them the face." Uh, so I think part of that would be like, well, I think he was kind of a fountainhead coach. If that's fair to say. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and the fact he he made so much so mm. right there that like he's making Babcock much. Yeah, oh, yeah, right well, wow. the gate. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, back to what I mentioned with the third-line players, I mean, there was a stretch there in, in, in L.A. where he played with Dan Bilesma, who was also in the organization with Gretzky. He had a long career as a coach, and he's and got the yeah. ring to show for it and stuff like that. Also, I would imagine he would be the kind of guy that would, you know, have the most benefit of learning from uh, a coach as opposed to Gretzky and the L.A. Kings, who's just like, hey, Wayne, you think you could score four tonight? I don't know, probably. <laughs> Let's give it a go type yeah. of thing, like... Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, because really, the head coaches don't have to be the smart. I think really head coach now is just people management. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I see that. Uh, it's Cooper. people management. See, I've, Cooper from uh, L.A. Uh, not L.A. Sorry, uh, Tampa. Tampa Bay. That's that's his. Uh, he's, he doesn't say he's a coach. He's a person, uh, a, a personality manager, or something like that. You see, Daddy Mac. What? That's exactly what I mean. I also felt that. Like I know that's kind of a thing now, but I felt that back then. Like when you just said, like I thought Al was one of my best coaches too. Why? Because he talked to me. Like Al, Al would come in and like sit next to you and say, "What are you guys doing tonight? Going to the movie or something?" You know, it, it would transcend anything fucking hockey. Like I felt like I was just, I had a, a, a buddy would be a bad way to put it, but like I respected him as a coach. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't ever nervous to talk to Al McAdam, whereas mm-hmm. I I did not want to talk to Michelle Terrian. I was yeah, like, please, was... please, please, please. I didn't want to go in that room. Even Alan Vigneault up top, like yeah. he wasn't a bad coach or a bad guy or anything, but I never felt as comfortable as with Al. And like yeah. to me, the coaches that I felt most comfortable with, or even in ball hockey, I'm with George Gortso. So you know, they're the people that take you in and I treat you like a friend would be peer. Yeah, 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 a peer, a peer. That you know, you still have to look up, and and, and that's mm-hmm. why. That's why, by the way, I think there's something to be said for an assistant coach. The, the assistant coach got to be a liaison between the head coach, and and we yeah. had Dave Cameron, which was great at that time, um, and the players. But you know, that's something that I wish was there more. And even though it's Wayne Gretzky, and you know, I do think that he would have been a bit better had he, you know, and who the fuck am I to say it's yeah. Wayne Gretzky? But any coach. I just think that if, if if you're on the same level, at least with the players, and, and you're 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 all on board together, like I don't like to see the separation. To me, it, it, it's there's got to be a, a separation of respect, 
And but you know that the, the the common goal is the same, and I'd rather you just be someone I can talk to about anything about, you know, about uh, you know tennis, you know something. If something like Bianca winning yesterday happened yeah. with Al McAdam, he'd be in the room talking with us all in the morning. Yeah, maybe even fucking jump in the hot tub or some shit and fucking have a coffee and whatever it might be. By the yeah. end of the day, we'd talked about much more than hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe yeah. that's just me, Daddy Mac. But uh, you know, well, but, but I, 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 after I finished playing, I coached in uh, like my, I coached two years, uh, assistant coach in the Austrian league, and then a big step up in the. Uh, KHL and like Curtis Foster was there, Jonathan Chichu was there, wow. you know Barry Brostad. We brought in some decent names, and that was that was a huge learning curve for me because you know I'm dealing with guys that were quite above me. Like they had some careers. Like I, I, I ran the power play there, and how am I going to tell Chichu? Because the same year I scored 56 in the American League, he scored 56 in the NHL. <laughs> how am I going to how am I telling Chichu to set up for if I can this player that player? That must have been a fucking did you, challenge. Did you sit him down and say, "I heard you can score"? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Chichu was phenomenal. He was respectful. He listened. We had a communication, and it wasn't like, and I wasn't the type of coach to say you had to do this. I'd have the video, and we discussed, and I'd say. I feel this positioning over here and this is going to be a good area to be in. And he would see the same thing or he'd discuss and he was tremendous. It was great to hear. That was good to hear. And I'm yeah, glad was, you said that. Was, because I was nervous. I was really, really nervous because, you know, like, you, you know, when you look on paper and you see what they've done, you're like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was, it, Daddy Mac, and, and that's the way you feel. But, you know, even back, we didn't give it just think, when we were that age, whatever team I went to or whatever camp, whether it was World Junior or Junior or, you know, the NHL or the A, whatever, I often didn't even care what the assistant coach's resume was. Like, But, but when, when you're doing it yourself, you really felt that. Like, and I can see how you would. Like, I wouldn't even want to be telling Jonathan Chichu what to do on a, on a power play. But, you know, most of the assistant coaches that uh, were there when we came in, I mean, they didn't even play. You know, so... Some of them, I guess, you know, that, that was just a way of life. I can see how that would have been real difficult, though, and I don't even know if I could ever get used to it. How was it, like, for you? How about this? How was it being a head coach, uh, first of all? And weren't you that in, where was it? Budapest well, my or first, some shit? My first, well, I went over to Hungary, Hungary to get my first head coaching job and had to use a translator the whole time. Ooh. My yeah. first experience, but my first little bit of experience was I was a head coach of the Croatian national team for three years. And uh, wow. being, a head, being a head coach, now these are much smaller versions than, say, the, the major junior over here or whatnot. But still, when you're the boss, like, mm. it's a whole different can of worms. Yeah. It was, it was like trying to, now you've got to come up with a playing style. Yeah. Come up with the literature, come up with the video, teach them, and then and then hopefully all that works. Where were most of the boys from when you were coaching in Hungary? They're all right from there. They're wow. all right from there. Yeah. Really? They're, they're local guys. Yeah, local guys. I, I don't want to ask the obvious, but I mean were they good? <laughs> oh, it was it was it would have been the level would have been probably a little little bit below the Austrian league. Okay. But now I know exactly. I love the Austrian league, by the way, because you can wheel. Oh. Uh, they're all big ice, and it's uh, it's it's a not quite the other league. 
I just thought, you know, I only played exhibition, but I played every team in there when I was with the Cincinnati uh, Cyclones. We went over for exhibition, and uh, I remember Martin Hohenberger played for Innsbruck. So I yep. stayed and watched some of their games. And then when I was injured one year, I went back over. I've seen a lot. Warren Norris played over there. I've seen a lot of Austrian league games. Oh, Warren Norris. Uh, He's like a legend there. Yeah, he was, but he was DEL, wasn't he? He was German, wasn't he? He was for a bit, but he played in the Austrian league. I mean, we had like 30 goals in the Austrian league. And then he went over to the Oh, Bruners. no, his brother was. His brother Dwayne. Was, Dwayne yeah, was the big Dwayne, guy in the yes, German league. I yeah. played Yes, no, uh, uh, Warren was in Graz. I played against him. He was okay. over there when I was there. Yeah. Okay. I knew Norris was familiar, and they're both Newfoundlanders. They're both Newfoundlanders. Dwayne, actually, it's funny. So Dwayne Norris, a lot of people only know um, that John Slaney scored the World Junior winner in 91, playing with Lindros for Canada. Um, But the year, or that was 92, maybe, 91, 92. So, but the year before, and there was, again, with the World Juniors, did there never used to be a championship game. So Dwayne Norris scored the year before. He also scored the winner, um, and they were the only two that we ever had on, and up to that point on the Canadian junior team. But it was just less – it was anticlimactic. He scored, like, in the second period of a, of a game against Sweden to make it, like, 4 nothing or something, but that ended up being what gave them the gold medal. Uh, and Dwayne was a great player in his own right, played a little bit in Quebec in the NHL and uh, was offered great money to go to Europe and ended up – I believe his last few years he was coaching and he was GM of a team in Cologne. Um, I think is he still over? Yeah, because he was yeah he's well known over there. Yeah. Well known, and his 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 son just got drafted. Uh, he's actually he's the head coach of um, he's a, he's in uh, the U.S. He's the Oakland Junior Grizzlies now. Yeah, coach, I, yeah, I believe they came back because of his kids, right? Yeah. And, and one of them got drafted last year uh, into it. I forget. Which team he went to? I'm foggy. Uh, Joshua Norris. There you go. There's a lot of um, Norris. And he played on the World Junior team. Uh, U.S. team, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, now Warren. Warren was... Ottawa, by the way. Is Oh, nice. Uh, Ottawa, or sorry, Warren played against us in the American League. He came from uh, one of those... Uh, he played NCAA, UMass, uh, UMass Amherst, maybe. I forget. But anyway, and, and so Warren went over and kind of got started in the Austrian league, from what I remember, and ended up playing a little bit in Germany. But uh, you know, he he lives here now. He never got into senior hockey or anything. But uh, I remember watching him play, and I just liked it anyway. And I ended up having a close relationship with a lot with Austria, um, Germany, Switzerland, because they're heavy into ball hockey. So I've been over there now probably a dozen times in the past ten or eleven years. Um, You're Europe's the best thing. I, 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 my son was born. My son was born in Sweden. I played there for, played and coached there probably ten years. And any if anybody gets a chance to live over there or play or just go for one year, it's an experience. Where were you in Sweden? Dalmo, two years. I went. Uh, you know, two summers, Daddy Mac. Um, the Habs used to give us money to to go practice wherever we wanted. Yeah. Like so. I remember one year, like I, I often say, I went to Brainerd, Minnesota, and I went to Brock University. Brock had a little camp there, and a few of us went to yeah. that. But um, Sweden, so we went to a place called Vasteris. Um, I believe it was a little north, and I believe it was yeah. in it, it was a level Beth down. Vasteros, that was it. Yeah. Uh, Nick yeah. Lindstrom was from there. Tommy Salo, Peter Popovich, who I played with, and we went over two summers in a row. Me and Brad Brown for a, it had to be a month if it was a day twice and uh had a blast i really really enjoyed sweden that's one thing i regret daddy mac is that i 
I didn't get to really retire on my own terms. My ankle was bad. I shot it with cortisone. I went to Orlando because my buddy was down there, and uh, you know, but I only played nine games that year. Like I, I never really got the option to go to Europe and play out my career because uh, it wasn't all about the NHL. To me, it was free education and, and, and by means of travel, right? And if there's one thing that you got to do was travel. So what was your best situation over there? Like what, what year in Europe were you uh, most content, for lack of a better way to put it? You know what, I, it, it was a weird thing for me when I made the transition to Europe is, like I say, my whole plan or goal was I never, you know, you play street hockey in the driveway and you don't envision yourself playing in Festeros or <laughs> Grass. Like, so it, a little, I won't lie to you, a little bit of my, uh, I don't want to say soul, it's been overdramatic, but a little bit of my give a shit went away when I decided to take a step over to Europe, which I shouldn't have, but it did. So I never really played to the level where I was in North America. I hear you. I just, I kind of just geared it down a little bit and lived off my resume and it just slowly spiraled down to retirement and quitting. Just I just lost the passion for the game, but would you consider I did it became have, a, go ahead. Would you consider it became a job at that point as opposed to a passion uh, where you just touched on? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, yeah, it became a job, and and like really, what was like? Even though I only got called up, besides my first year pro, at the end of the year for three, four, or five games. Hmm. When you get that phone call, there's no other better feeling. There's nothing like honestly, it's like win the lottery. Yeah. So when I went to Europe, that phone call wasn't happening, hmm. and it's just, I don't know. Maybe it was the bigger ice maybe that was part of it too but i know it's part of my mental side i just just pulled dialed it back a little bit and i just slowly less games i think it's geared up for that and daddy mac i gotta be honest like everything that (laughs) the miners when we were going through especially as big being big picks and a lot of pressure and everything i can see i mean i I, like i said i had to quit on, on somebody else's terms but that bothered me but you know, I don't know how much more I could have taken anyway. Like, I remember when my ankle was bad. Like, I was thinking Europe anyway, like, when, when I didn't think I was getting back up top and I had the ankle injury. And it's a lot of stress, mental and physical, to play over here. I think guys go over there for a reason. And so I think a lot of it is to unwind. What's the schedule? 40-odd games, way bigger surface, barely any fighting, right? And I think there's a reason for that. And I think you work for that and... You know, whether it's fucking 50 games or 1,000 NHL games or eight, you know, at some point, you, you know, you're hitting your late 20s, you're 30. I don't, I don't necessarily think anything less of you for looking at it like that. I think a lot of people do. And, you know, it, 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 you're still accomplishing something, but you're also unwinding. And you're like you said, you're never going to get that call again. So for you, it probably feels like it was spiraling downhill, but... For anybody else, and now looking back, I'm sure it looks different. Oh no, but like, like you know, it wasn't all bad. Like we won a championship with Salzburg one year. Yeah, I saw that. Um, you know, Josh Green was there. Yeah, Greg Johnson, Juice was there with you again. Some other guys were there, and it was it was that was great. Made some. I still, you know, I go to Italy every summer now, and for the last three years, and made some friends, and it. it, it I'm glad I did it. The only thing, though, the only thing that, that rots me a little bit is I wish I would look at my stats before I left because I was 26 or 27 points away from 500 points. 
Ah. Uh, only, there's only like 83 or 84 guys in the American League that have done it. Uh-huh. Oh, and they're probably, are you in the AHL Hall of Fame? No, I'm not in the Hall of Fame, but I, I would have, if 27 I 27 more points you would have year, I would have had over 500 points because I had one more year in my contract with Phoenix. I, I actually called Barnett myself and said, that's not Barnett. It was uh, who came in after him. I forget. Phoenix uh, is a shit show. <laughs> Ron Maloney. Don, Don, Don Maloney or Ron mm-hmm. Maloney. I can't remember. I think it's Don Maloney. And I called him myself and terminated. But if I would have stayed for one more year, I would have got it. That would have been nice. You know, you know personal, but. Yeah, no, but no, but still, I mean, what's anything if, if, you know, as much as hockey's a team game by the end, you know, you want to leave your legacy and it's a lot, uh, that's what it, that's, what's beautiful about it. It, 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 you know, it's personal plus it's uh, unifying as a team. Now your, yeah. your kids now, how old are they? I have a 10 year old boy going to grade five and a seven year old girl going to grade two. And how old were they when they realized that, you know, because sometimes you know when it's like me when i when i explain my career a lot it's like almost justifying to people well you know what happened but in the end like when my daughter realized when like when she was five or six that i played in the nhl she like just couldn't believe it like do your kids grasp that like you know especially 10 and 11 like do they understand that you know dad played in the fucking show well my my son he gets it it took him a few years to understand i think his friends are just watching tv and I have some memorabilia hanging up, and every now and then I'll put an old tape on or something. Just to, he really likes. He really likes. In one of my my last All Star game, I won the hardest shot, so he likes that DVD. That's when I walk into one. But he 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 gets it. But it's funny because the lake where I live on is the same lake as Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, okay. And so Fan always brings up. Well, are you as good as Sydney, or or is your shot better, or or you know, I'm like, bud, like I appreciate you put me in that 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 conversation, but I'm not that. Like, well, Daddy him, did a good job, but he's not there. I tell him one thing though: Wayne Gretzky didn't sit uh, on the other side of a table from them and say, "I hear you can score." That's true. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. True. I, it's the only thing I take there. Um, yeah. What, and but it's, it's, it's neat. It's neat. Like he's taken all my number, and he he actually, you know, in a weird way, he listens and he understands because he's a, he's he's a pretty good hockey player himself. So he he does listen, and he he I think because he knows I was there. He's uh, like I told him. I said, "Bud, if you want me to build your house, don't give me a call." Yeah. <laughs> but if you want some tips on hockey and especially shooting, please listen to that. <laughs> That's that's good. Um, I'm going to use that myself. Um, do you like how involved are you now in hockey? And are you still doing that after school program we were talking about a few months ago? Uh, well, I was with the as assistant coach of the Greyhounds. Oof, I had 15, 16, was it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I honestly, I just had enough of hockey. I understand. So I so I stopped everything for a couple years, and then last year I volunteered and coached my son's Adam team. And then this year I'm doing it again back in my old old house. And uh, funny to bring up our old past. Uh, so Brian Surrett's son has a chance to be on this team. And Kyle Smeister's son has a chance to be on this team. Wow. Yeah, so for those of you, they were two uh, guns. Kyle Schmeiser was a little little guy at the time. He's your, he's your cousin, tiny. right? 
He's my cousin. Great, yeah. great he, hockey he, player, though. You, him, and Surrett really, really stood out. Like, you're the three that I remember off that team. Yeah, I mean, you, the, yeah. That, they, both those names came up at the beginning of the yeah. interview. Yeah, Great hockey players. Yeah. I've got to ask yeah. something about the Sioux Greyhounds here now. Who was the GM of that team? Was that uh, Dubas era? Kyle, that was Kyle Raft the year after Dubas. Oh, damn. <laughs> but that's the other thing. You know, if you had gotten into that. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it was because uh, Rath was the GM and uh, Bannister was the head coach. Okay. okay. If you, you know, if you had gotten into that, I've often said, like, you know, any ex-player, I'm not going to say I've been offered a job, but I definitely could have, could have pursued it. And there was a couple of opportunities that I know would have opened up, but you don't know where you're going. You know that then your kids, I mean, it's like you're a military baby or, or whatever, and that's not always bad. But you know, if you want to coach, you're probably not going to be anywhere for three or four years in a row, and you want to keep. That's probably good. Like, you know, do you want to keep moving your kids around and stuff? There's a real decision to be made. That's why I I often, um, it's one thing to be a player, but if you want to get into coaching after you play, you know, you better be ready for that. I, I always kind of sympathize with uh, the kids that move around because sometimes, you know, if, if that's all you got. I mean, I landed on my feet in St. John's. It took a while, though, and I've had some real ups and downs. But I just never really, really wanted to get into coaching for that reason. I, I, I want Penny Lane to grow up more or less in, in one spot. Uh, I, I don't want that to sound like tunnel vision. She's going to travel. She's going to do whatever. I support her completely. But I like having her, you know, with the same friends and the same programs. And, you know, and, and we're in a good spot. We're in Mount Pearl. So, yeah, you know, there's something to be said for that. I, I would agree with you. Uh, that That's like by the time I got to the Sioux, I'd been like you listed off my roster at the start of the year at the start of the interview and and i was I'm t- i was tired mentally and physically moving i started by myself when i was 20 and then picked up a wife picked up a dog picked up a kid picked up another one and it was just i was tired so that's why i made the kind of like that first year being in the suit that was the only year in north america i coached and going around in the O and meeting people in the press rooms and just trying to shake and kind of, like I say, trying to get into that lifestyle, there's a whole level of passion that those assistant coaches, like they're in the trenches. Like yeah. the commitment level, the time level, the sacrifices they're willing to do to get to that next step, I just mentally wasn't there. I hear you. And DJ Smith and, apparently was. <laughs> well, DJ, he, he I knew... I knew from the time I met him, and I lived with him for two years in St. John, he was going to be an NHL coach. Man, I've often said it. What did wasn't it something about DJ? Like I don't, I can't even put my finger on it. I just knew that he would he would get into coaching. Um, he, yeah, yeah. You explain. You're the one being interviewed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to cut you off. No, <laughs> no he, he he wasn't the best player, but he was a dressing room guy. He was that guy that. If he, if he would have kept on going and didn't get injured, he'd be the C. He'd wear the C until he was thirty-nine. Yeah, he was a team guy. He was that guy that would hey get your head out of your ass. He could be your best friend, roommate, but he would just be like, you know what, playing the game of hockey, get your head out of your ass, and let's, let's, let's play. Yeah, and uh, there's something to be said. It's hard to find that balance. It often is. Like some some players, whatever it is, the aura they give off. Uh, you know, I was I'd be like. Who the fuck are you to tell me? You know, like someone. But DJ had that way about him. He could almost put you down while looking you right in the eye, and you'd want to go and battle for him. And he was a real unifier. He knew everybody's stats. He knew the way everybody shot. Like you, we'd go in uh, to play 
I don't know, Portland Pirates, and he would like list off in his head like pros and cons of each player. It's almost like he was doing video before it was a thing. Um, we watched video, but it was more like full games and stuff. And uh, But DJ always had that about him. I, I figured, you know, either a GM or a coach or whatever it might be. Um, Daddy Mac, how about this? How about this? Are you going to find your way back over to George Street slash St. John's slash Senior's Basement? And I, I just say George Street and... Because you know, bring your bring your kids over, and we can have more of a uh, family affair than last time you were here. But you might know, be able to actually tell some stories from. <laughs> might might be able to the last time. Actually, but before 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 we even get to that, I need to an- you need to answer me a question. Ooh. Yeah. Kyle Smicer, because he came over to visit me. Him and his brother, him and his brother, yeah. him and my brother came over two years, almost to the day to visit in St. John's. And they'd walk into, uh, not green sleeves, but the place next to where there was just a pool table there, a tiny place. Well, at the time, um, let me see. So you're not talking about Sundance? No. So if you were walking yeah. from, if you were walking from mile one, you'd be left of Sundance. And right next to the green sleeves, I believe. You'd walk in that back door. There was always like, just like oh, a small, uh, a it was called table. the Allen Lager. Now it's three chairs. Yeah. The anyway, Alan Lager. yeah, Alan Lager. We hang out there every day. Two years to the day, the same gentleman was sitting in the bar stool, and they spoke. And Kyle wants to know: Is Vinny still sitting at the same bar table? Bar, oh bar my stool? god! So you know what's fucking hilarious? I was at, I was in green sleeves. About I could throw a ball with my left hand from the seat you're talking about with Vinny uh, on Friday night. Serious? Yeah, he still hangs out there. Um, so Stephen Hancock, Jody Temple. Yeah. Remember when you were here? Jody owned the Cotton Club and the Penalty yeah. Box. That's why we would go to the Penalty Box. We'd get a steak Penalty Box. By the way, guys, was like a sports theme mm-hmm. bar at the time. Yeah, and yeah. so that was on the go. And Jody still owned the Cotton Club, which he's now sold. Um, and now, and Stephen Hancock, when you were here, owned Turkey Joe's. Stephen's fine, and Vinny and, and Chris Beresford. You know, all the boys were. were oh yeah, back. you remember they were all the guys we used to hang out with. Well, well now, um, and and Dick Hancock, Stefan's father, owned Greensleeves. Well, now Stefan and Jody both run Greensleeves together. Um, There is no penalty box anymore. The Cotton Club is another guy owns it now, Todd Manning. But Stefan and Jody are in there. So, And, you know, Three Chairs is still there. Um, A good buddy, Junior Bruce, owns it now and everything. And they they got an upstairs to Greensleeves. Um, fuck, what's that called? Loose, loose tie. tie. Yeah, loose tie. So it's all it's all the same setup. You you, you just like a little bit different names and everything. But Vinny's still uh, part of the furniture, man. I still see him all the time. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, that's funny because we're uh, somehow your name came up and I saw with Kyle and he's like, two years today I went back and the same guy and he remembered me and I remember him. He was sitting there. He's like, I wonder if you're still there. Well, if he thought two years was a lot, tell him 20 years later and it's still, still the same fucking chair. Yeah. And honestly, honestly, I'm not shitting you. But, um, you know, it's very much the same, Daddy Max. We see the same people. Uh, what, I guess, what about uh, that? What, what about, I think it was back then. I think it was called St. George's Iron. That one up in the corner yeah, of the hill. Not, now it's called Trinity Pub. Right after you left, right after uh, it became Trinity. Still one of my favorite bars. I love Great that spot. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's opened up a little bit now. But it's the say that same part is there. There's a little... They got the back, uh, a big area in the back. They got a deck on there now, uh, too, if you can oh, believe Oh, do they? 
Two, yeah, remember, like a deck on the side and a deck out front. Uh, it's grown by about six times the original size of it. <laughs> but that original yeah. bar is still there exactly. But, yeah, yeah. You, like if you walk in, that's there. But Daddy Mac and I, it was St. George's Arm. We used to go there to get out, to get like kind of lose the crowd kind of thing, yeah. to take a break once in a while. And we would go down and uh, the girl that ran it, Roxanne, but she has something to do with uh, Fat Cat now. Well, no, she sold the Fat Cat. Oh, fat did cat, she? The Fat Cat is now the Black Sheep on George. The, black, the fat cat is no more. So wait, is the black sheep on water still there? Yeah, yeah. still there. Don runs both George. bars. Yep. Okay. Don and Val it, own both of those bars. And, and where am I living? It. I'm on George this Street is, like every every uh, fucking week. Turned into an oral history of George Street yeah, here. This it last is. ten minutes. Yeah. Then I know. Uh, there was, and every now and then, I freak in a pub down there called the Dory. I don't know if it's still there, but I, I remember being there. The Yellow Dory, it was called. Was the Yellow Dory? Yeah, yeah. and it's not there. But they're, no, they're, yeah, the they're, they're all, they're all the exact same. It looks exactly the same, Daddy Mac. Just some names have changed. What the fuck was the Yellow Dory? I don't know what it is now. Jeez. Neither do I. I don't know. That was, uh, it might not be, like you say, bars change over yeah. so much. I remember there was another, I, I frequent there every so often. Yeah, I never heard that yeah, one before. Yeah, we, well, we would go in, and that was in, like I said, those slob days were the best days. Um, oh, remember, remember, Club Atomic was the new place back then. <laughs> yeah, it was on the go. Now it's dusk. Same, again, same shit, though, right? Yeah, like, it's the same. Well, it's the exact it's same. It's the exact same bar, except now it's nice in the summer. They got, uh, you can go up top. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I did that for the first time a couple weeks ago. I was at, yeah, a, oh, uh, I was at a wedding, and, and me and uh, my buddy Julian, who... Uh, uh, as a DJ and stuff and, and does stuff at dusk like we went in there after and he took me up top and it was like a big party on the go I had no clue it can only be Newfoundland being high up it's one thing to have a deck it's another thing to have one high up on top of a building so we can only use it like five days a year yeah. but it is it is nice one of those, hey. one of those rare three stories yeah. we got around yeah. there yeah. hey DR yeah. I'm looking at a certificate on, on my wall yeah. Donna McLean and Suzanne Morris before I was even married, I think it was. Well, hopefully, um, where has sounds... officially and successfully completed the new fee screech in <laughs> and has therefore earned the title of honorary new fee dated at Aaron's Pub, 28th day of July 2001. Aaron's Pub, yeah, I love and, Aaron's. Uh, we so do you remember that? I, I distinctly remember that, Daddy Mac. So D- Aaron's Pub is like the end of Water Street. It might be about a five-minute walk from uh, George Street. Not really the end, I guess, but towards the end of Water Street. So um, we would go down there once in a while. Um, it, it used to be uh, Sons of Aaron. Uh, I don't even know if – I think it's Bob Hallett owns that place now. Yeah, yeah, Bob, yeah big, Bob owns it. Great Big C. Well, it's always been a musical kind of burr. And at the time, Ralph O'Brien, I think his name was, but the Sons of Aaron – uh, I used to love that band, so I would go there once in a while to check it out, and it was like a place that it was off. George, it had his own particular crowd, but we would go down there once in a while, and at what there was a time that it had the best screech in on the go, and then hence July twenty eighth, two thousand and one. Oh yeah, I remember Big Cod. I remember it. Good time. <laughs> well, you got to do that again. How long have we been on, guys? That's unbelievable. It's, it's an hour forty. An hour forty. <laughs> that's a, that's what, that'll probably be our longest one yet, Daddy Mac. Um, but it's—I've uh, actually been trying to figure out a way to get over there. So I would love—I would love to get back and have a whoever's kind of around and you know, not a, a reunion, but kind of kind of whoever's there. Well, I, I have—I have some tremendous fond memories of my time in St. John's, and I—that was probably the last time I've been in Newfoundland, actually. Well, this right is what I'm going to do, and I promise this—I promise it. There's, there is a way we can make that happen, man, and we have a week hockey school. 
Daddy Mac, we just, our goal here is to give the, de- the kids a deal and to get you over here. So all I want to make is a couple thousand bucks. That'll take care of your flight and your hotel. And if you want to take your kids and everything, you can. But that's what we're going to do. I'm saying it now. We got some listeners. If anybody wants to take me up on it, I don't care what rink it's at. But we'll, uh, you know, pay the normal price and everything. I just want some ice time. And what would be good for you next June or July? Got to be summer. Uh, I would be probably end of July, August, because I take my annual trip to Italy for two weeks in July, the first two weeks in July. Lining it up for George Street Fest. Okay, George, that's when Cleary <laughs> has his, uh, actually. Uh, there's enough, I would love, uh, I would, I would love to get over there for a couple of days. Okay, well, we'll do, I'm going to look at that. And uh, ideal time might be... Uh, might be later in August because uh, as soon as work, George, yeah. yeah, when George yeah. Street Festival shuts down, and then like a lot of the uh, hockey schools are first week in August, a lot of them are second week. By the end, yeah, ice time will be more available. And again, um, you know, we're, we're just—I I really want anybody that hears this that wants to take me up on it. Fine. The goal is to make two thousand dollars more than we start with because we want to get Daddy Mac here for five days. <laughs> Uh, you know, we have it. We go on the ice ourselves for two or three hours a day, right? We have other people running it. Um, maybe have Adam Peewee first year ban him or something like that. Uh, and, you know, that's my plan so far. If you want to elaborate on that, you give me a call, Daddy Mac. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to get you here, and that's an easy way to do it. Um, you guys have anything else? You mentioned at the start of the program, actually, you and your wife had started a not-for-profit. Anything uh, you want to touch on that for a bit? Yeah, when I when I, when I when we finished playing, I did for a year. I took off. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Not not too many not too many jobs out there with a high school education, a former pro. <laughs> so I uh, kicked some tires, did some things, and then uh, we started a, a youth active program for after school. Okay. My, my kids would come home and they'd play with us, and I'm like, no, I'm not your buddy. Like, I'll play with you sometimes, but I can't be your play buddy. <laughs> So we just batted around different ideas, and we started off four years ago with 12 kids, and now we're pushing about 90 kids in two locations. Wow. And we do two after-school programs. We switched over to a not-for-profit called Play, which is Physical Literacy Activities for Youth. Um, and we, well, last Thursday was our first, was the start of our fourth year, and we have, counting myself, we have seven staff, and it's, it's going well. So I, I, I enjoy working with the kids. Someday, I'm not there every day uh, working with the kids in the gyms, but we it's right in it's right on site. Bell rings, kids come down, and they have uh, between structured and unstructured activities until 6 o'clock when mom and dad pick them up, and it's been good. It's been, right. a, it's been a positive thing. Right on. Um, well, listen, that's great uh, news, Daddy Mac. If there's anything else you want to add, uh I guess uh, do it right now or else. But uh, no, but uh, and everything else, I, I wasn't kidding. We'll figure out that. And uh, in all we likelihood, should, yeah. over the next over the next time, I would love to get back. I really been. I would. We should talk off air sometime over the next while and and figure it out because it would be it would be a good time. An overdue. It's definitely overdue, uh, and I'd love I to would, see you again. I would love to get in another debate with senior in the basement. <laughs> The WHL versus the Quebec League. Love oh, boy. Yeah, that, that was a favorite topic of his. Oh, yeah. shit. You, you, you should, we had Senior on as our guest like maybe uh, three or four months ago, 
Daddy Mac, I'll, I'll send you the link. It was fucking hilarious. It was a five-hour uh, filibuster, yeah. wasn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> just like you just like couldn't couldn't get the stories out fast enough. But we still oh, do he, it. He, 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 he didn't tell the Danny Potman story, did he? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he fucking did. Yeah, that was his go-to back then too. But it's the same oh. thing. Just everybody's a little bit older. Like on Fridays, you know, we still go to my dad's for beers. Um, he doesn't quite come downtown as much anymore, although it does happen. But it's almost Gail, babysitting. Gail, get upstairs. Yeah, Gail, get upstairs. It's story time with the boys. <laughs> you got to understand, Gail, I love you, but there's a separation here, clearly. There's a separation. <laughs> We're telling these stories. We're telling these stories, Gail. You're not going to want to be here, and then you're going to shit on me for telling the boys these stories. So go on upstairs. We'll see you soon. I love you. And please, grab me a beer on the way out, will you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was flawless. The other, thing, the other thing I truly did enjoy with Senior, there's a lot of things, but um, is his Beatles stories. I did enjoy when he the, the the Beatles history. It was it was fascinating. It really was. Well, we'll like to, you know what uh, it, he's going to pick off pick up right where he left off uh, next summer. We'll definitely have you here. I was going to think about even Christmas, but I'd say come on over, man. Late August when we can still go out on a boat, we can still go on a deck, have a bit of fun. And uh, I'm going to figure this out, Daddy Mac. I promise you, you will be here next summer for the uh, Terry Ryan, Donald McLean Hockey Academy. How's that? <laughs> wow. That sounds good. We're off the holiday. That sounds good. We can spin that. Yeah, we can spin it. Academy. Okay, brother. All, All right. right. Thanks so much. Donald, great, thanks. Great Thank talking you, to you again. Thank you for the call. Thank you. All right. Thanks cheers, for buddy. the time. Right. See you, man. Take care. Penny Posh, maternity wear reimagined, breaking the barriers of style, fit, and comfort that often leave mothers-to-be uninspired in their new wardrobe. Penny Posh's designs have reinvented a clothing category often seen as disposable, temporary, and unattractive. Well, not with Penny Posh. Check it out. A continuous fit maternity collection from bump to bundle and beyond. You can check them out on Twitter at Penny underscore Posh, on Instagram at Penny Posh underscore maternity, and of course, on their website, www.pennyposhdesigns.com. Penny Posh Designs, maternity wear reimagined. Uh, so again, huge thanks to uh, Donald McLean for a great interview. Uh, again, we went on, I know that one went on for a ways, but that's why we did a quick intro off the top to get right into it. Uh, so, you know, I know we've got some other stuff coming up that we're all excited about, but Terry, uh, you, uh, you were saying just before we went to the interview, you wanted to say something, so let's jump back and... and uh, well, yeah, I got a couple things. I mean, yeah. It's impossible not to talk on uh, today about Bianca on Andrescu. Andrescu, yeah. yeah. Um, but what she did yesterday... I don't really think number one, but there's an argument that it would be the number one sporting moment in Canadian history. I, Dave Hodge had mentioned be. the same thing. Right? There, yeah. there is an argument. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say it. And I think that's so subjective that it, it's tough to really put anything number one. But, you know, we're all really into hockey and everything, and the Raptors just won and all that shine. And all of a sudden comes somebody who was ranked, wasn't ranked last year, was ranked 152 at the beginning of this year. She's 19 years old. No Canadian has ever won a Grand Slam and not only does she do, do it, she does it against Serena. Yeah. Now, I want to say one thing about that. A few weeks ago when she beat Serena at the Rogers Cup and re Serena retired because she said she was injured. And, you know, but she, but she never, the quote after, she never said Bianca played better or she deserved it or anything. She said that I wish the fans could have gotten to see a real game. And I thought that was bullshit because... Uh, you know, and so on. I didn't have my best. I wish I did, implying that if I did, I would have won 
or at least there were. So I thought that was bullshit because Bianca winning at home, the Rogers Cup being yeah. a real huge deal before this would have been the biggest sporting moment of the year, maybe. Yeah. Um, one of them with the Raptors, I guess. Um, but this time, same thing. Like Serena Williams, I will say, 23 majors, and I know she wants another one, and, you know, great athlete and all that. But I'm never, I've never been her biggest fan. I think she's smug. And even yesterday, she did give Bianca credit, and that's great. She did. You know, she said she played great. She was, uh, you know, the better player. But then she said again, she said, you know, I, I wish I'd had my best game, though. It sucks when, you know, you realize that you could have been better. And it was just my worst game of the tournament, unfortunately. But I'm going, well, of course it was because of who you're playing. What do you mean it was your worst game? It's the fucking championship. They get harder and harder, and you ran into Bianca. It was your worst game because she's your best opponent. You know, so you maybe should say mm. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's my worst game because Bianca's better than me. Yeah. But she can't bring herself to say those words. I know. Which, right? to some degree, you kind of have to respect a competitor that yeah. is at that level of just, no, I am the best. I know yeah. I'm the best. And no, you know. Part of the reason that yeah. she's where she is. Yeah, and I get that. But I just, I, it's there's just a little too much smugness with Serena. I mean, I think a, a big part of the thing is you mentioned that she was ranked, what, 152nd, 162nd? I don't think someone like Serena Williams is going to come out and say, like, she's better than me. Because yeah. that ranking system is kind of like a gatekeeper fucking title hold yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't even say world. she is better, but you say... She I, was. I, I, I would yeah, say she, she played was better. better. She was the better player today. Would have yeah, been, a, you know... Stuff yeah. coming. Hopefully yeah. I can get back to that point. She's yeah. beaten me twice in a row now. <laughs> yeah. I'm older. I think it's older. funny to say, yeah. I've yeah. had my worst... Like, it's a tournament, so yeah. I've had my worst game of the tournament. Well... Yes, you lost. It's the one you lost. It's the one you lost. Unfortunately, the one you lost would be your worst. You know, with me. And there's a reason because it's your best opponent. Yeah. Uh, And uh, what I love about this um, Bianca is that uh, she doesn't seem to get intimidated. She really respects Serena, as was evident in that game that uh, the Rogers Cup match that Serena retired. But you know, I just think I think she's got it going on. I think she's going to be a Going to be a great athlete. I, way I, 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 I think the, compo- the level of composure and her composure. There it is. Her, the level of composure that she has and her ability to calm herself down in a moment, like when she has a couple bad points, but and she's on the court and can make that adjustment within herself hey, to just kind of take herself. How about down this? When it was five-one in yeah. the second set, yeah. five to one, and you've got Serena, put, and it was championship point. Yeah. Serena come back from that. A lot yeah. of people would fold. Yeah. She gathered herself. She gathered. She lost a serve a couple times. Yeah. Sprayed herself with water. You could see her on TV going, yeah. okay, I'm still in control. Mm-hmm. I'm still up one here. I'm ready to go, and it's yeah. my serve. And she, yeah, she came back. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you'd, you'd maybe see three out of four of double faults or something. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. tell it's kind of in their head, but not at all. And that's why... I love it. I hope she beats Serena every time <laughs> for that reason. I really do. And I think there's some, I will always say Serena is one of the best athletes ever. There's an argument to be the best mm-hmm. uh, if you take relative dominance within your sport. Uh, but uh, that being said, I didn't like Serena's uh, reaction again. Some of it was good, but uh, Bianca, all the credit. And I'm talking about Serena too much. Uh, Bianca, it was. Uh, thank you. If uh, she'll never hear this podcast, <laughs> friend of the show. Yeah. Yeah. People the show. do. People do. People that you know what follow tennis. I'm sure because I get all kinds of, uh, especially after I made a few tweets, I get all kinds of messages, and that's what I think of it. People, you ask me um, on Twitter, and that's what I think of it. Uh, and it's sometimes hard to type that in nine or ten tweets. And there is one other thing I want to say because I get all this shit this week. Not shit, but I stuck up for Nick Kiprios. I guess you could say. 
there was a guy uh, calls himself uh, Bear, Sergey. Yeah, calls yeah, himself Sergey. Yeah. I think he's going after the bears and thing yeah. on on Twitter. And uh, fair enough, he just said, "I heard somewhere that Nick Kiprios gets eight eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Can you imagine being like a neuroscientist and saying that this guy makes what I do?" But I just always. I want people to be clear on this. Like, I don't know Nick Kiprios. I don't really know much about him. I actually, I, I do think he does a decent job, though. He's pretty well-spoken. He's articulate. I mean, he played in the NHL. He has a good perspective. But I, I don't love him. He's impartial. I, I don't really care. You know, whatever. He's on there. Report the news to me or yeah. whatever you're going to fucking talk about today. But, I, you know, so I wasn't defending him. What I'm saying is that I fucking hate when people say, well, I heard somewhere that this, and then it becomes fact, and we're living in that world. Uh, if you're going to shit on politicians for it, yeah. uh, let's say, again, I don't want to pick one side of the fence because fucking, I'm sure Barack or Hillary has done it just as much as Donald Trump or fucking whoever, Stephen Harper, whoever yeah. you're going to talk. Justin Trudeau, fuck, there's one. He does Oops. it all the time. But what I'm saying, remember a couple years ago when Trump said, well, you know, I heard that when the planes went down, there was a bunch of Muslims and they were having a party on the side yeah. of the road. I heard, but that didn't happen. And I remember being with a friend of mine who uh, is a Muslim, um, and, you know, he was really offended because he was like, yeah, I'm not going to bring well, up yeah. his name. But, um, yeah, at that time, and again, I'm, I'm not getting political. I mean, Hillary, of course, Justin Trudeau has said things that he fucking pulls back on all the time. But when it's the Senate. same thing in politics or, 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 or in, you know, hockey or coaching or whatever, if you hear someone say, well, you know, I heard somewhere that, you know, uh, this guy went out and, and it happened to me. People used to go, I heard somewhere that, you know, why is, people wanted to know why my career was done so early. And rather than ask me about my ankle or anything else, oh, there must be more to it. I heard somewhere by that he's a drug addict. And I heard somewhere. And then the, then the conversation from that point picks up from that point. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Well, there are a lot of drug addicts and poor Bob Probert died early. And well, all the best to Terry, you know. All the, and then it becomes something that's nothing. Yeah. And that's my fucking problem. I, and I find Twitter turning into that. I think that guy, Sergey, actually got some pretty cool tweets. They're pretty funny. Um, and I wasn't in any way sticking up for Nick Kiprios. But I never want to hear again. Well, I heard somewhere. It's, it's funny. It, I tracked that. I saw that on Twitter because I follow you both. And I tracked it. And uh, so I just did the easy thing. I was like, well, fuck. The easiest way to do this is just search Nick Kiprios and then search in quotes 800K. And it was literally just, uh, it, it almost looks like it came from a burner account. Like yeah. three days before yeah. he got let go from it's, sports. That's what I mean. It was so, yeah. and of, of course, it being Twitter, it grew legs. I will. I'll say this. I'll, I will. I'm, I'm reading a book right now all about the history of sports and broadcasting and hockey and stuff like this. I'll say this in, a, in, an, in an industry where if you start it from the, the ground floor, Nick Kiprios was one of the, like, I think he was the third or fifth guy hired from Sportsnet. Mm -hmm. So as the place grows yeah. and it, perhaps he was, you know, had some shares or investor or NHL money, yeah. it would make sense if you were there for 28 years. I'm not saying drop. It doesn't. Like, yeah. here, here's the thing. I get exactly but it's just what weird you're talking to see about. That it came from I also, I know that from doing this show with you now for 29 episodes, there's been times I've been like, well, I've heard this somewhere. And you've been like, where'd you hear it? And, and like, yeah, and you fact check me. me and <laughs> yeah. you fact check me. And it makes me, and I, I try to do a better job now of making sure I've well, like yeah. figured out. No offense, but yeah, that, no, that's one so, of my pet peeves. No, when I someone hears something. Terry, and I, and Terry I, and so I, your sources, Ryan. I, I do. Yeah. I, I tend to, I tend to try to make sure I've got like sources for shit now or can quickly find the thing. Like, I don't just see something go, that'll be fun to t like bring up I make sure I, I double check and know where I found it and whatever well, made, he made me dig out an article or a couple of tweets I'm about glad. Phil Kessel yeah. being the captain in Toronto in like 2013 a few months ago Did I? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, because I'm just and maybe it's because I was personally affected a lot yeah um, but again so all like I've heard people say Donald McClain our guest 
You know, I've heard them say about Donald, yeah, well, you know, but um, I heard that when he went up, he wouldn't, uh, you know, he didn't want to play on the second or third line. He didn't want to, so he made him, but that wasn't the case at all. Like, it's often, these things are large claims. So if it's big enough that it's going to affect someone's life, I often say, now, I often say, you know, fucking, you, you, you better fucking fact check before you fucking throw it out there publicly, but... The thing is with Kiprios, I don't know. Even if it was four hundred, he'd be—I guess he'd be getting overpaid. I'm not saying that he's not overpaid. Nick Kiprios could have been fucking Pierre LeBron or whoever in that conversation. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just saying, like, if you're gonna make a claim and all of a sudden have like a thousand people retweet it or comment on it, <laughs> then they all say it, and it beca- now it becomes fact. <laughs> and we're in that day and age of fake news versus real news versus what is news. And I find a lot of it is started by that. Oh, I heard, I heard I did Hillary's, uh, you know, uh, director of communications is a Satan worshiper. I heard, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it becomes, it's kind of like, becomes mixed into the DNA of this it, person's aura and it's not. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's that somebody makes uh, a guess or an assumption about it. They say that out loud and then someone else now has now heard it. And so now yeah. you have a secondary source on it. And no, if I was going to say it, I'd be yeah. saying, you know what? You know, I think Nick Kiprios is getting yeah. paid way too fucking much. Good riddance to bad rubbish or something, yeah. right? If you if you didn't like him, what's what's the problem? You can yeah. say that and have just as many people pipe in. But if you start getting specific, yeah, the, like, and that's the uh, other thing is just that like, um, just, like the, just the other thing with that is just what does it matter? Like a salary for somebody on on broadcast television. Uh, on national television is so much. That's kind of what it is. If he's doing that for a, a year of coverage for hockey and he has to be on, he has to do this travel and he has to have, you know, his his uh, stuff like wardrobe and all this has to be like up to certain standards and all that kind of stuff. And then he has to go out and be a public face where people are talking about how much money he makes on a podcast. Then for that, he also gets what's essentially like an appearance fee and that gets topped up well, too. So he makes thing. money and that's what he makes and it's nobody's fucking the appearance business except, fees, n- except yes. Nick Kiprios and fucking Sportsnet. And this this, this is the other thing, yeah. I, I'm glad you got into that because, again, I don't really give a fuck what he makes. Yeah. Um, but all the time, within those guys' salaries are appearance fees. Say Ken Reed, yeah. my, our buddy, right? A friend of the show. I won't tell you exactly what he makes, but he charges a fee. If people want to hire him, they can. If they, yeah. So, like, if Nick Caprios makes X amount of dollars and half are brought in from... Yeah people volunteering to use take his services for their own corporate event or whatever it might be that isn't that the definition of deserving like yeah. he's charging what it's it's the fair market it's, it's the, what it's, it's the what, fair market nick, nick kiprios makes as much money as someone will pay nick kiprios yes that's exactly it. nick kiprios has three new agents right now it sounds like <laughs> fellas i heard this over the weekend and i'm very sad oh, i've got geez. five minutes i gotta split okay. and i really wanted to touch on this uh my large adult son jake gardner has <laughs> left the toronto maple leafs he has very very Sad. It's a very sad day. Uh, he signed with the Carolina Hurricanes for four years. Never took a fucking penny of a raise. The exact same cap hit he made for the last four years. Obviously, there's the rumors of the back and all this stuff. But he was on. So if you listened to any of these episodes from fucking May 1st until today, uh, I'd bring up Jake Gardner frequently because he's. I, I felt he was probably the best skater on Toronto's blue line. He might have been played a little bit too much for my likings. I think he's going to make a great 16-minute guy as opposed to an 18- to 20-minute guy. Uh, However, he did say on Sportsnet uh, when he phoned into one of those radio shows, they asked him point blank, 
what the fuck took so long? Uh, were you waiting around to see if Toronto would call? And uh, he skirted the question, but he said, well, they let me know a little while ago that there wouldn't really be much there because they have to sign Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is then when, oh, Danny boy started playing in my apartment, and I finally waved goodbye to my large adult son, Jay Gardner. Because you, you were convinced. You were, you oh, were convinced. all summer saying Oh, he was yeah, I was all summer. I don't know. You could probably go back to, like, six yeah. episodes and listen to me ramble on about it. I think I, think I was close. I think Gardner talking about it on the radio was like, yeah, I, I would have done that. He mentioned his wife was afraid that they would have to go to Russia. And oh, then it was geez. like, well, fuck, I'd better sign something. So wow. uh, I, any, I, any Carolina Hurricanes fans that listen to the show, please, please, I'm begging you, be good to my large adult son. I'm going to miss him. Yeah, right. I, I think. Gardner always got a bad rap. Yeah, he was a scapegoat. Same. He was a scapegoat. Uh, it was really know. easy when oh, it's you know, unbelievably 80, easy. A team has an eighty-two game um, season, and then a, in in Toronto's case, often a seven-game postseason. And he, Jesus he, Christ, Mike, I'm right here. I'm just all I'm trying trying to say is that in the, you know some bad stuff happening, like some misplays or whatever it might be in that game seven twice now that people have gone off on has just made him an easy target and, and it's bullshit. And, and then he goes, oh, he has yeah. a great He's season. Gonna have but, they, a- but it seems like whatever happens in that game seven each year um, just seems to like negate all the goodwill that he has built up throughout the course of um, throughout the course of the season, which is too bad. And hopefully like, you know, being in a, in a market that's not quite as intense, doesn't have the same sort of media scrutiny and all that kind of stuff is going to help him out. Speaking of a good season, my dodgeball season, uh, I play in a dodgeball league here in St. John's, Newfoundland. We donate a lot of money to Easter seals. Uh, it starts in literally 10 minutes. So I've got to get out of here. Right. You guys, uh, I'll catch you later. Uh, Leafs camp's coming up this week. So wait, wait, wait. What do you mean you're donating the money to Easter Seals? We, it's a pay league, and then all of the money. Oh, yeah, I thought you meant from fans going to watch. No, it. Go, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a pay league, and yeah, yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. all the money you. raised. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyone, uh, Leafs camp starts here in St. John's or in Paradise on Friday. If anyone's around the rink and uh, hear or see me, say hello. And uh, we'll be at the rec room, obviously. Yeah, oh yeah. That's a whole thing. We got a live event coming up next week that we haven't talked about in two hours and 15 minutes of the show. We should probably, I might even, if you're listening to this, there's a solid chance I went back and recorded a, hey guys, wanted to make sure we mentioned this before we get into things. Reminder to go get your tickets and stuff now so that uh, if we forget to, uh, you know, so so we plug it. So chances are people heard that two hours ago. Yeah, not to regress on our conversation that's exactly what i'm doing i that's what i thought we were going to get into off the hop yeah i, I meant to and then we just kind of like got well it was a big sidetracked. sports weekend with bianca but um but yeah so chuck's got to take off uh tr i mean we've got like i said we've got the event next week uh is there anything else uh, with that like any have you uh um have you got anything else on the go coming up like during release camp anything like that um, it's a bit of a whirlwind because I, I do have a lot on the go. Um, uh, the our senior hockey season well, it doesn't start for a while, but we've started practicing, and I've got a fucked up elbow anyway. But uh, how the, is the elbow, by the way? Uh, it's not great, as everybody knows. I think I think I explained it last show. Right? Yeah, we talked about it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. So I took the antibiotics and everything. Uh, uh the, the infection kind of, not kind of. I'm not going to say it's gone, but it, a, a lot of that. It doesn't look as bad anyway, but whew, my elbow fucking kills, man. I can't even straighten it out. That's brutal. So man. I gave it a, and there, you've heard of like chips, bone chips on yeah, your yeah. elbow, but I've got like a couple of huge nuggets. Like, so whatever happened there, I, I broke off some, 
some of the bone that was in there. It sounds yeah. sounds brutal and it feels brutal, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure I can get through one more senior hockey season. <laughs> I um I know we talked about it because it's a like you were saying it's a tuft fracture and I have one, but I have one at like the top of my thumb, so it's not on a joint. It like yeah. it doesn't cause any discomfort. All it does is make my thumbnail grow weird. But other like you know having it on a joint where like you have that kind of like I can only imagine. It's horrible. It's, yeah. like, it's got to be brutal. I don't know what I'm gonna do if I'm gonna. And I mean it. This feels half not permanent, but whatever's like. I I saw the doc, and I'm like, well, the the infection's going away. Like if if you have pain there, and there's an area like it fucking kills. And he's like, if you've got pain there, then the chances are that's just straight from bumping it. Now that being said, I mean I bumped it hard. Like my it, it had bursitis as big of as a fucking grapefruit, and then I hammered it in the Toronto airport off a fucking urinal, <laughs> of all things. Yeah. So that wasn't good. Uh, but and, and to get back to the original thing, like what else is on the go? Yeah, Leaps Camp's here, and that's going to be a chaos. Uh, and something that I'll tell you now, I'm going to tell you while you're here. So yeah. one of our buddies at the Bull and Barrel, Tino Borges, mm. brought up. Friend of the show, uh, has some shirts. Friend of the show, has some shirts, and brought up doing a live show there, mm-hmm. uh, maybe on opening night. That'd be uh, fun. Tino, Tino's, uh, well, my idea, I'm going to give myself credit there. <laughs> I love Tino's band. I just love any time he plays. But, uh, you know, back in the day, he used to play with the Insiders, Jeff Martin and Dougie. Well, whoever. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, now I think it's a Tino Borges experience, incident or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, the incident, but I think they're going I love, so I was like, you know, when are you guys going to play? He said, well, we're going to play soon. Why don't you guys do a live show? So then we figured out or figured, why don't we maybe do a live show in the middle of the day? Yeah. Maybe the game. And then, you know, Tino gets into one yeah. of his sets. And, you know, we have, I think it'll draw a lot of people. I think it'll be a bit of fun. And that's uh, one of my favorite bars anywhere just because I like classic rock and everything else. And yeah. Tino's a musician and it's really on display at that place. But, you know, who knows? I'd like to do it. Um, if anybody else has any ideas or you want, hopefully this goes well on Saturday. But, you know, we're open to do this all the time and I'm available to do public speaking. Uh, and maybe I don't, like I've said at the last couple of shows, yeah. but don't say it enough. Like we want to make something of this, uh, live shows. I love your house here, Mike, in your <laughs> studio, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's sometimes you want to get away from the, yeah, the you, hockey gear hung next to your face totally. and, you know, uh, and, and yeah, inter- interaction, right? Yeah. Like if you're in and, and, you know, I, I know that we have, uh, fans for lack of a better word out there and followers, I guess is probably a better word, but. It, when when you're doing every show from a studio, there can be a little bit of a disconnect that, uh, you know, once in a while, if, if you do one live or you're doing outdoors or, you know, outdoors, you do one on uh, out, uh, somewhere uh, outside the norm, mm-hmm. you know, and people can interact with you, it's uh, it can be a real good thing. So I'm looking forward to that. And if any people out there are, you know, you're, I don't know, bar owners, restaurants, even hell, a, a, a gymnasium at a school, Whatever it might be, we're around. We don't charge a lot, <laughs> and I think it would uh, work out for everybody. Uh, I, I think so. it'd be a lot of fun. I want to do. I want to do a bunch more. I know we've talked. Yeah. We've 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 already been kicking around some ideas of doing different stuff. And uh, one that I, I haven't mentioned to you, but I'll mention to you on the air because, like I said, you got got you here. Is um, I'd love to do a senior hockey road trip this year. Do like you know follow around some try to hit at least a, a one game from every team. Not playing, a bad idea. You know, do a, do a show before or after something like that. It'd be, I think it'd be a laugh. Well, some teams even, uh, you know, I know the Gander Flyers and Grand Falls used to, but Gander, you know, their games are still televised on Rogers. They have yeah. a pregame show. They have all that. Maybe we could go out and be part of it. Yeah. Uh, 
And there I know that a lot of my ex-teammates from the Gander Flyers and, uh, you know, people within the community will probably be interested in that. So, you know, just shoot me a message. I'm easy enough to get a hold of. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that basically the whole point of all this is that we want to grow the show and I want to, <clears throat> we want to figure out ways to do that. And an easy way is just these live shows wherever you're going to do it. So this Saturday coming up at the Rec Room uh, in St. John's is our first it's the 14th, isn't it? It's the 14th. It's a, uh, it's a free event to attend, uh, but you have to reserve your ticket kind of ahead of time just to kind of, they want to manage numbers. So you can go to homestandsports.com. Um, that's where you can kind of sign up to attend the event. Um, and then you've got your spot there and at the rec room. Beautiful. And we will have a, a, a great guest or two. It's just tough to know right now because yep. the boys don't know their schedule coming in. I know there's some alumni and everything. And if I can, I'm going to get Darcy Tucker or Shane Corson on amongst others. But we really won't know until like we're closer to the day of. Yeah. But uh, regardless of who it's going to be, we know it is going to be a, a super fun guest uh, that we're really, you know, we're going to have a great time with. And, and we always kind of have a great time with all of our guests. So it's uh, it's always good. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to head and check all that stuff out. In the meantime, uh, I'm at Hickeycom Mike on stuff. I am uh, Terry Ryan twenty twenty on Instagram. Terry Ryan twenty on Twitter. Chuck is left, so fuck him. And we are at Three of My Podcast uh, everywhere that you get stuff. Uh, so uh, hopefully we will see you guys at the rec room this week if you're in town. And uh, if not, we'll be back at you next week to shout at you about hockey.